We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe was unfortunately called away. He's got a work meeting he's at right now, and I don't know why I'm whispering, but I am. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is something completely different. Uh, we were going to do a full episode, but since Abe was called away, I figured we'll talk about the main movie of the week, but we'll also just throw in some other topics as well. We'll still do some of the other segments we generally do on the show, but basically we're just kind of moving things into a little bit more of an obscure area because I only have one guest with me joining me today to discuss the main movie of the week which is Underwater. We have he just filled his O2 tank from Lysa Blue it's Peter Paris. Hey hey hello Peter how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good doing good just uh, celebrated a big birthday this weekend so yes, happy um, birthday hey, thank you um, but uh, yes and uh, anxious to talk about uh, you know the first masterpiece of 2020 so. <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll be talking about Underwater, directed by William Eubank, who directed The Signal, which is a big film that we like on uh, on Out Now. Even and I are big, big fans of that film. We had we interviewed both of the writers for that movie uh, back when that came out in 2014. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about Underwater, and uh, we'll talk about some other stuff, too. Let's get some show notes real quick. First up, new commentary track. It is January of 2020, which means we'll have a new commentary track coming for you. It is going to be for Bad Boys, in honor of the upcoming Bad Boys for Life. Um, that's going to be recorded tomorrow as of the time of this recording, so that should be fun to get into. What else? Let's see. Uh, Abe mentioned this to me. He's been asked a lot about best of the decade, best of the decade lists, and if we were on this podcast going to do them. We're not quite sure yet. I'm still formulating my... I'm actually on a good pace as far as getting <laughs> things organized as far as the best of the decade go. But we'll see. We'll see if we have a bonus episode down the line to come up with that. But that said, Peter, you put a best of the decade list together. I did. I did it. I did the best of the decade. Actually, I did my best of the decade list first, and then I did my uh, 2019 list. Although none of my, there was no movie best of the decade that was 2019. So in in theory, like Aaron, off the top of your head, would you include anything from 2019? Let me in the top ten. Uh, I don't. Well, yes, are there? Are you doing a top 25? Top I have a 20? I have a hundred. Um, oh wait. well, then that's yes. Yeah, so you Which have is, a lot of. Yeah, so there's a lot of room. And I do have some that are pretty high up there, but looking at the 10 that I currently have right now, no, none of them are from 2019. Are any from 2018? No, 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 one's from 2018. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like the the bulk of mine was like 2013 through 16. Like, uh, there's like Social Network is 2010, but I feel like most of my stuff was like the middle of the decade, pretty much. I should like, put this in, uh, a, in a spreadsheet so I can put the years in there, and then I can organize it that right. way and see what it looks like. Um, I do think, though, I'd be yeah, I'd be curious to see what your list is going to be like. I I do think it's a pretty it was a pretty interesting decade because we because we really saw you know how we view entertainment and stuff really changed in the last ten years. So it's a very it's an interesting not just from the kinds of movies but we were watching but like how we were watching them how we were t talking about them and all of that stuff really changed so that i think it's a pretty interesting decade to go over i agree and yeah looking at what i have currently it's it's weird how like i'm not gonna say it's boring but there's a lot of like what i consider usual suspects that are gonna wind up in the you know the high part of a decade list like social network is one clearly and max ferry road is one clearly um but yeah well this will be a better conversation for another time but yeah it's uh it is neat to kind of, especially like how I'm trying to do mine, where it's like a mix of what break really had an effect on me versus like what 
am I just going to pick up and watch whenever I want to? Which sometimes that, you know, there's a center part of that Venn diagram that can occur as well. But I mean, it is an f- interesting mix of what just gives me pure entertainment versus what, like, what feels important to me. Uh, so. No, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. What else? Um, we had our top 10 episode last week. That was a lot of fun to record. We had uh, myself, a Marcus and Mark on there, and uh, along with Peter and 16 others who sent in uh, re- voice recordings of their top 10 list, which was really cool to get in there. So we had a, a packed show full of people's top 10 lists last week. So feel free to check out that episode. It was a lot of fun to do and put and edit together. Um, and yeah, I think that's it for show notes. Uh, all right. Let's... Um... Let's jump to all the way up to our trailer talk of the week. We're going to talk about A Quiet Place, colon, part two. This is the sequel to A Quiet Place uh, from 2017. John Krasinski, back as director, also writing the screenplay this time around. Um, which I believe he did a draft of the first time. Once again, stars Emily Blunt, Millicent Simmons, and Noah Jupe. Um, and brings on for kicks Killian Murphy and Jaimon Hansu. Two actors I like quite a bit. Uh, tri- uh, Peter, I forget. Were, were you were you big on uh, a quiet place? I don't know if I was like like I wasn't writing for Why So Blue, but it, I probably would have given it a four out of five. Like I thought it was pretty good. I haven't, although I will say this, I only saw it once, but I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was a solid, a solid. Good, it was the kind of movie that, as a as you and I like are, and, and mo- many people on uh, out now are. I think a lot of us are fans of like horror film sci-fi like that kind of stuff genre, so yeah uh, yeah genre as a fan of genre quiet place was not like the best movie i'd ever seen it wasn't the thing or anything but i was but i was happy that that kind of movie like was a huge hit made a lot of money people really liked it like got people it's the kind of thing where it's like i like when that kind of movie a lot of people that don't see genre stuff see it and they like it. So in that way, I was very supportive. But I no, it, it wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't like the best thing ever. But but I'm looking forward to the sequel. So well, you're giving it. We don't need to go over a quiet place too much. But yeah, I, Abe and I <laughs> seemingly are the two that are like not as big on. I like I like it fine. Abe I think is he has too many questions about things to let him enjoy that movie. Oh, so he didn't like it. I don't think he didn't like it, but I think just the. There's an overwhelming number of questions and nitpicks he seems to have to keep it from being more than average, I think is kind of the best way to put it for him. I, I'm i willing to accept more about it. I think a lot of it really works. I think the filmmaking is pretty excellent, but there's there's a point where I just I am, for some reason, asking myself questions, and when that comes along, I feel like it's less about me nitpicking the movie and more because if the movie's not engaging me enough to keep me from asking these questions, then I wouldn't be asking them uh, if that makes sense um, but like i i in terms of being happy that an original film like that was able to you know be a big hit with audiences i'm all for that so you know good on that <laughs> see more of that happening the sequel what would you, you see in the trailer what do you think of the trailer for the sequel uh i thought it was oh you know it's funny i i i've seen two movies that we'll get to uh in the last like couple days and in front, that trailer was in front of both of them. One was a comedy, you know. One was a big period piece, uh, period epic. And I like the, you know what it is. I like the trailer, but I almost feel like it only needed to be half because 
part of the, the beginning of the trailer is Emily Blunt and her kids, and it's very much POV of the car. And I think even does I think it even says day one. Yeah, so it's, it's like it's, yeah, this is when like, there's dad taking like, us back. Right, yeah. where's dad? And there's dad and everything. And and then they're backing up, and there's this huge semi, and there's monsters coming out of it. Like that's pretty good. Uh, but then they like cut, and then you get the back end of the trailer, which looks for pretty familiar for Quiet Place, except that as you said, now we have new cast members uh, uh-huh. and everything. I guess yeah. So as a trailer for me, I guess I felt like they were like splitting the difference instead of just focusing on one one kind of tease. And I thought that was a little. That was that made it a little underwhelming for me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I can hear you. Uh, I think it's an effective trailer. I I just wonder how, like, I mean, part of, I guess, what works about Quiet Place is its isolation. Like, you're following specifically these characters dealing with this thing, and now we're opening up the world to, like you're mentioning, more characters. And it's like, all right, they're probably not going to be cool. <laughs> you know, it tends to be how these movies work when you have... Uh, a place like this beset by problems that means the other humans that are still out there are also going to be problems in some way so is it going to be just like last of us uh and various other dystopian kind of movies i thought i was i I think the last of us also wait what do they call last of us has a thing for that too the their day one Uh uh-huh they have a name for it i don't remember what it is but like what the clicker things are called no no but meaning like in Gears of War, they call it Emergence Day. That's when. Oh, all, I see what you're saying. Like, okay. so there's a day, there's a word for like their ground, their day one ground zero. I forgot. Uh, yeah. But, but yes, I I agree that yes, it's hard not as a fan of Last of Us, it's hard not to sort of think of that. And this sort of, I mean, any kind of like of the dead kind of genre, like something that you know where the world is beset by a problem it means that the humans that are still around are also going to be problematic for some reason whether they're just crazy or thinking right. of only themselves you, you know you get kind of into cliche territory so I'm, I'm very curious how this movie manages to work with that and do something fresh with it um i agree oh wait now also do you think that's really the title it almost feels like a temp that it's just called part two i was like really that's it that's well the name. i mean i we saw the trailer Anna and I saw the trailer yesterday, and she suggested a quieter place. <laughs> well, I would like that. Like, Which, and oh. and, and the, the the finale, the third chapter, would be called the quietest place. Oh, I would like. Yeah, that would be. Although, you know what? I just realized um, it did that. Chapter two, chapter was so. Oh, it's been a lot of that with horror. Like you know, there's insidious chapter two and oh yeah i guess you're right chapter and parts really popular these days they, oh you know, john wick does the most awesome. chapter chapter two john wick chapter three dash parabellum i mean <laughs> wait john wick chapter two is only there's no there's not another no like, it's, it's just john parabellum wick it's just john wick chapter two then john john wick three was like yeah we're adding another word on there <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah but yeah i thought it was yeah it's fine like i'm yeah, I, I, I like again. I do not. Maybe it sounds like I maybe like Quiet Place around when you do. I didn't have super issues with it, but I mean, I'm you know I'm looking forward to. It. I mean, I the, the it's like every time I think about a Quiet Place, I think about my reaction to walking out of the theater. When I'm like, yeah, it was good. Like I where like where it seemed like everyone else in the screening was like super like just pumped about. It. I was like, yeah, this movie, Quiet Place, give me headphones. Like I don't, I don't know, but uh, uh, I was just like. Yeah, it was good. Like that, so it's like it feels like that's tainted by kind of every time I'd mention it, I'm just like I feel like I'm the guy that's like, yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is just super high. And I'm like, yeah, you know, 
What's interesting, I wish I wish Abe was here because like that is a it, that's a thing, especially with any kind of if you're dealing with uh, monsters or magic or whatever. You it, it can be that if you're not engaged, you can end up having a lot of questions and stuff. Because I don't remember. I guess I was pretty engaged because I don't remember having tons of questions. I was engaged, but it's me. just like little things like him writing, you know, uh, <laughs> a sound question mark on a big chalkboard and just like little things like that. It was weird, like production details or it just kept sticking out to me where it's like it's screaming out exposition at you or and Abe knows this. John Krasinski shaking his big nose at the camera made me laugh every time. It's just like, okay, he's just trying to quiet his kids down. But he has a big <laughs> nose, so he's just shaking his nose at the screen. And I'm like, okay, come on, calm down, John. Uh, and Abe's always going to be like, just move by the water. And I'm like, you can't build a house by the water. And he's like, I don't care. It's, it's noisy there. <laughs> anyway, A Quiet Place, colon, part two, arrives at theaters March 20th, 2020. Um I guess we're in the year now. I don't have to say 2020 anymore. So yeah, March 20th. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the year. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's get to our main review for Underwater. On a scale from 1 to 10, how bad's my rig? A 10. We drilled to the bottom of the ocean, and we don't know what came out. Gotta get to the station. How did we even get there? We walk up. We just gonna walk with insufficient oxygen across the bottom of the ocean. You don't know what's out there. Worst idea ever. That should be some of the trailer for Underwater. Yeah, I didn't write out a thing this week. Basically, uh, Kristen Stewart, Vince Cassell, T.J. Miller, John Gallagher Jr., Jessica Henwick, and Mamadou Ati are all workers on a you know corporation that's been drilling underwater they're very far down like what like seven miles down deep underwater something happens things get messed up very quickly they find themselves stranded they need to get into some big underwater suits and walk on the floor of the ocean to make it across to some other part of their station little do they know there's something else out there at the bottom of the sea that's that's the plot in a nutshell i think um the film was directed by william eubank as i mentioned Peter, what did you think of Underwater? I thought it was her the the kind of movie. It, I think it was a a uh, it was it was the kind of movie that we get basically in the beginning of the year in in a in a totally fine way. Like I I there's a lot of times that I I'm hoping some kind of genre or slapstick comedy thing that I'm like oh this got dumped in January and it's pretty bad. Uh, this is not that I I did not like think it was terrible or anything. Um, on the other end, you know, I keep wondering to myself, you know, if, if this was, you know, if, if Aaron and Pete were 15 and, you know, we go to the AMC and we see this movie and we've never seen alien or the thing or the abyss or anything like we've somehow never seen those movies. Like I, I always wonder, like, would I be like, Oh my God, this was so cool. What a great idea. Like it's no, just, see, I'll stop you right there. 15 year old <laughs> me not seeing this movie would make me want like some other, like me from the future to come in, knock me on the head and be like, dude, go see other movies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know how 15 year olds, I mean, I know that, but I'm saying when you're 15, you're not, 
I mean, actually, I think I did watch some older movies. But I was I mean, gonna say I'm, you know, I was also pretty discerning as a 15 year old as well. <laughs> like I've seen, you know, all, I've seen these movies at this point many times. Right, right, I, but my point was like I owned the Alien quadrilogy on DVD at right, that point right. when I was 15. <laughs> right, I think I had heard about Alien when I was like 10 or 12 or something. But I'm just saying, I know if I had never, if I had never seen, because this is one of my favorite, like, like um, I just used this in a review the other what I what I call like a subgenre of something like. The, the bunch of people that are usually scientists and they're stuck in some isolated area and there's maybe an alien and we don't know if they can trust each other. Like, I really like those kind of movies. Like, but I don't know if I have never, I somehow have never seen this. I think Kristen Stewart is pretty solid. Um, I think the end's pretty good. I think the Cthulhu-esque craziness that happens, I think is pretty cool. Um, it's just... It just feels very much, you know, made of better parts or whatever, or, or parts made from other better cars or something where I was like, oh, well, they're just kind of assembling this because this is how these movies operate or whatever. But yeah, eh. it's the kind of movie I don't really want to be too hard on because I like these kind of movies. That's fair. And I'm not, I don't disagree with you because I don't, I mean, for the one time I've watched it, I think it's fine. I think it has yeah. some creative ideas as far as like the creature design Mm-hmm. And I guess the immediacy of the movie. I think that the best thing it did was two minutes in, the bad stuff starts happening. You yes. Know? Yeah. Like I and I'm aware this movie's been shuffled around a lot. Like they made it way back in 2017, and between the Disney Fox stuff and probably things involving T.J. Miller, um, right. they had to kind of figure out when to release this movie, and if there was any kind of tinkering along the way, like if there was say, you know, 20 minutes spent on these people before the bad stuff starts happening, I'm glad it's been gone. And I could just be guessing maybe from the start, it was always, we just start 22 minutes in and we just start, you know, things rolling. But regardless, I appreciated that there's a, you know, they cut out a lot of the fat. There's not a lot of fat on the bones of this movie. You get, you know, you get to where you need to go pretty quickly. So you don't waste time, you know, giving filling in backstory or filling in why they're drilling down there or delving into the origins of these monsters or whatnot. It's just like, yeah, bad shit happens and we gotta deal with it. And I think what works also is that much like the descent, things are scary before there are monsters. Like there are problems before monsters start attacking you. There's like the risk of suits imploding because they're at the bottom of the ocean or the fact that a giant drill just collapsed on all of them. So they have to like figure that out. So there's things like that. I think work effectively for the movie, as far as making it a solid thriller, it just, what you're speaking to as far as like, would 15 year old, like regardless of how that scenario hypothetical works out, just watching a movie like this, where it is a lot of like parts of other movies assembled together. I was asking myself during the movie, like what makes alien better? Like what, like what makes a movie like that better than a movie like this? And obviously it has to come down to filmmaking, right? Ridley Scott's a master filmmaker versus William Eubank, who this is like his second or third movie. And like, I like him. I like him as a director. I think he has a good visual style, but maybe something about the lack of like tactileness. Cause you're dealing with the bottom of the ocean. So it's a lot of CG or like things that are supposed to make you think this way versus actual sets and things that are like tangible. Like, I don't know. It is there's a certain weightlessness to it that kept me from like grasping onto it to make it feel like a solid three star movie, where instead it just feels like a solid, you know, a decent two and a half star movie. You know what I'm saying? No, I absolutely agree with you. And you know, it's funny. I was just thinking one of the things that I love so much about um, Alien, um, but to be fair, it wouldn't quite work in this movie. 
is that we we get to know like any great haunted house film, which is kind of what Alien is. Yeah. Like we the location, really, right? Yeah, we get to know the Nostromo. Uh-huh. Like we really know that location. And the design of this movie is that it's like, well, they're always moving from space station to space station, and then, like you said, and then they're also in this like blackness of the ocean floor. So there's not a lot of like character to the locations yeah there's no backtrack <laughs> yeah but that's the design of the story so i'm like well i don't know what you would do to fix that because everyone's moving all the time i can agree but i do think there's a way to film it better because i did have an issue and i don't normally have this it's like not a thing i really have a problem with as far as kind of muddy murky visuals but like there are a number of scenes where people are being dragged across certain areas or you just have to kind of get an understanding of the space they're occupying at the time. And there were times where it just felt muddled. Like I couldn't like get a grip on like there are certain, I guess deaths or again, people being dragged across places where I like, I guess I know what's happening just by how people are responding to the event taking place. But in terms of what I'm seeing, it's a little confusing. And that's certainly, that's certainly part, that's at least partially by design just because the monsters are supposed to be like, you know, kind of striking and moving away really quickly because monsters like to be convenient like that for cameras, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, but in terms of like how this whole thing's working, it's like, I, I know there's a version of this where I could kind of see clearly what actually is taking place without kind of sacrificing the tension that's supposed to be there. And I'm not sure if that's a ratings thing necessarily or not, but I don't think it is. Although this movie's pretty graphic for a PG-13 underwater horror movie. Like a person like blows up and their pieces are all over the place at one point. I'm like, geez, this is nasty. Um, But I mean, yeah, I, 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 I hear you. Like as far as the movie is an A to B type journey, as opposed to a, we're here and this is where we are as like alien or any, or the thing or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it could have benefited from some more ge- ge- geography um, work. The other thing is that while I agree with you that it is good, you want movies like this to get to the point, to get to the point and not have a lot of fat. I totally agree. However, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is the opening. It's it's the two minutes before everything, which is it's just Kristen Stewart in a bathroom. And she's got this little moment with the spider and and yeah, her narration's a little cheesy or whatever. But like there's a sense of like peacefulness, which is interesting because because we know you're seven miles below the surface or whatever that I kind of like. And so I I wished the movie – it's weird. I don't want the movie to get boring, but I wish we had more moments like that where we're just hanging out with the characters. I guess – does that some make breathe, sense? Yeah, like, some breathing room. No, breathing pun, room. No I wish – and also the also the other thing is that when you do get to the rest of the cast, which is you know um, uh, Vincent Cassell, uh, T.J. Miller. I'm sorry, I don't remember what the other two. And John make. Gallagher Jr. Oh, John Gallagher Jr. Yeah, uh, Iron Fist, Jessica Jessica Henwick. Yeah. Right. When you do get to them, unfortunately, there's they don't there's not really much to them. Like it's not the actors. It's just like the actors are fine, but they don't really have much. Like what they're talking about. Of course, part of it is they just want to survive. I get that. But like, eh, it's OK. You know? I'll, I'll, I'll give it this. I mean, because I hear what you're saying. It is very, you know, it's driven by motivations. But at the same time, there are like little bits of like, you hearing like them talk like before, especially before they get to like the start going to the bottom of the ocean. There's bits between like, what's his name? Miller, TJ Miller and um, 
the other guy where it's like you know there's like anime it's like you watch anime like they just like have little exchanges or and even even their description of like if we die we'll be dead and then we'll just be floating like they they do little quirky character things i guess they, where, do. they do they do again but i don't i mean it does end after that point but i i guess it's also like, like what are you going to do with that like you can't, you can't really put it into moments when they're at the bottom of the ocean and have them you know cracking wise all of a sudden it's like you know, it's beyond tj miller who's supposed to be com- comedic relief you know one thing that you know one thing they could have done that they again I'm not asking to just rip off Alien more but like if you're going to um, even though uh, I don't necessarily like it when even though I love Alien and Aliens you basically have, you have a group of people and they're confined and then like one of them betrays them one of them's like the bad guy or whatever it's like oh that guy's terrible but um, but I will say that um, while uh, Paul Reiser's character is basically that in Aliens. Yeah. I kind of like. Um, is it Ian Holmes? Is yeah. that the actor? Ian Holm. Yeah. Because he's the he's the android and everything, and it, it's not necessarily about him betraying the crew, but he's the character that he has a fascination with the creature, and that kind of adds to the mystique of like what is this thing? And we don't really have that. <laughs> I mean, like they're, they're, cause they're all, they're just, you, you, you kind of get that a little bit with the, with uh, Jessica Henwick. She's like, what is this thing? And they're like poking at it and whatnot, but then everything goes to hell. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. But yeah, you're, in terms of like a character that's specifically like going again, and Ian Holm, he does, but he does betray them. He does, he does want oh, them. He, totally to, does. <laughs> he, he yeah, His idea is to have them like implanted and what have you and take the thing back. Uh, regardless, yeah, you're right. There's no like villain character, and I I actually like that. I like that everyone's on the level in for this movie. I like like Vincent Cassell normally playing jerks and weirdos. I mean, right, he's like right. the most normal he's ever been in this movie. <laughs> no, no. Again, I I'm that, that's a big thing that I like in movies in general in the last four or five years. I, I really like seeing films where we don't have to have some cardboard bad guy. Sure, um, yeah. I mean, like absolutely. I guess I'm saying the thing I liked about Ash, I think that's the character. I, yeah, I like, yeah. yeah, I like that Ash. Again, it's his, it's the robot's fascination with with this, with the xenomorph or whatever. And I guess there was, because we don't really, when we do for the first time, um, see what leads to the 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 the, um, the kind of remains, what leads to the first real creature um, scene. I, I don't. I guess I didn't see like the hook. If that makes sense of like, okay, like the first time we saw Alien, it was like, oh my God, it's like, it's got a set of teeth and then there's like another set of teeth and, you know, or like acid and acid. Like I was like, well, what is, what do these things do? Like, what is it that's like, oh, I haven't seen that before. Like, yeah, I'll say, I'll say this. It takes its time to get to what it does. Like, and it's not like it does something, but there is a. The way it eats is pretty like gross in a way where it's like, well, I, I, I like seeing more of that. Like that's fun. Like that's a new. Like, it, uh... Oh, oh, actually, what's funny you say that? Um, I think that moment that you're talking about, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure is an homage to the uh, the dinner scene in Alien. Yeah, are that's we, fair. Are, we, are, they, are we having dinner? Is that or is it breakfast? Maybe it's breakfast. Whatever lunch. <laughs> it's called, it's the famous chest, the famous chestbuster scene in Alien. Uh-huh. I feel that the scene you're talking about. I think that is they're almost inverting the alien thing. Which I can I see that. Clever. Yeah, I thought that was clever. I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." Yeah, and, and again, like I, yeah. I, I do like the design of the thing. Like we don't get a lot of it, which I also think is 
good enough, I guess. Like, it's not... It, you know what movie this reminded me of a lot? Pitch Black. Pitch Black's a movie where, with uh, Vin Diesel, one of his first movies, um, where you don't get... You get, like, an idea of what the alien does, and that one does have a definitive hook because it sees in the dark. Like, that's the whole thing about that one. Correct, but right. You don't, but you don't get, like, a great look at those aliens. You get an idea of what they're kind of like, but, like, it keeps them moving around and stuff where you're more focused on these characters kind of dealing with this situation and whatnot. Uh, that's another, you know, alien ripoff, essentially. But I like Pitch Black. We did a commentary on that way long ago. But um, it's... It's it, it it has some neat ideas of how to approach basically low budget alien movie filmmaking, and I think this one does that as well. I mean, this one's still, I think both movies are about the same as far as like it's like sixty million and whatever Pitch Black was is something the equivalent of two thousand. Um, but yeah, it does what it can with like the alien stuff. It's not yeah, I don't think it has a an amazing hook in the way that the Z, like you know the the things are underwater aren't going to be around 40 years later like the xenomorphs <laughs> but but uh, i've seen a lot of same z's types of aliens in various movies same with uh, um quiet place quiet place is like all right yeah it's fine i guess but that didn't really stand out to me as far as like a significant monster in one of these movies this one has something where it's like oh that's neat <laughs> and it has and there's a third act thing that happens i'm like well that took a turn i guess <laughs> well i really like that yeah that's what i really i mean yeah honestly to me that's what that's why i would say for me the movie is kind of like a two and a half but i really like those last 15 minutes or whatever that i was like oh i really like this it's like pretty it, exciting so that, yeah. yeah so i left on a high note or whatever you know so uh, what did you think of uh kristen stewart what have you thought of, what have you thought did you see charlie's angels no well i just wanted to say what what have you I guess I think most of us like Kristen Stewart in her, I guess her indie movie, like Personal Shopper, her art house films, yeah, yeah, her art house films. Um, but this year, or or actually last year, or whatever. So Charlie's like Angel, half a year, yeah, yeah. So like, what have you thought of her as a actress who who originally became super famous because of this? You know the Twilight series, the monster franchise, yeah, yeah. So, what do you think of her as a, I guess, a potential, in theory, like an A-list star, as opposed to just a celebrity who does like indies and stuff? I mean, it's not like a Ripley type performance, like Sigourney Weaver and Alien, as far as like, like this is really proven to be like a standout kind of position for her to be in. But I mean, she she does what she can with the thing. Like, it's just it's not a role that's. I think you could put any person in this role and kind of get the same performance. She's not specifically bad in it. It's just, it's not, it, there's nothing here that makes it stand out specifically. Um, and I could accept that mainly because it's like, yeah, she, you know, you, you do a bunch of indies and art house things to get you acclaim. And then you do something like Charlie's angels in this because, Hey, that's, a, you know, it's going to get, it's everyone's working for the money. I mean, regardless of how much they believe in the project, it's going to help. It'll help you fund your next indie project. So that's kind of what I see it as. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's a job. You're an actor. You got to work. <laughs> I, get I, it. I, I definitely thought that I was, I mean, I, I liked Stuart in this. She was one of the draws for me that I was like, Oh, I want to see her in this kind of a movie. I thought she was able to do more in Charlie's angels because she's really going for like more of a broad comedy. kind. Like the thing with Kristen Stewart to me is I think she does, understated pretty well like you know i mean essentially a lot of people think that she kind of mumbles or whatever like that's kind of a a natural ability that she has and so her doing charlie's angels where she's doing a lot of like one-liners and this movie there's a lot of physicality like to it because because of the kind of role that it is i appreciate that i mean i would agree with you though i don't know how much 
there is to the character. Um, That's the thing. But, yeah. I mean, but, I, it, it's the kind of, I mean, I'm not an actor, but I think any actor that has the, you know, granted, you can't see what a movie looks like after the fact. You see what you see on the script and you see what kind of, you know, things are afforded to you. But you, if Kristen Seward and Vincent Cassell and, you know, these various actors are signing up to this thing. I think there's something about the idea of, like, just wanting to do a genre thing and, like, being involved in having a certain, you know, using a certain kind of physicality that you don't use very often. Like, that just seems like a challenge, I'd imagine, to anybody to be, like, to want to sign up oh, for this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, so it sounds like we're pretty much on the same page. <laughs> I mean, as far as good actor does good with what they're given, yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, you know, standard. How about the other the rest of the cast? Like anybody else stand out? Um, like again, I think Vincent Cassell stood out just because it's nice to see him as a good guy. Like I just don't see that enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like no one else really gets that much to do. Like they're not. None of them are bad. I yeah. mean, T.J. Miller is the comedy relief, and I like the little stuffed animal bunny thing that he has, and uh, I like Gallagher as an actor, um, but I didn't think he had much to do. Wait, and so the the other woman, what is she from? Iron Fist. Oh, yeah. That's who she is. Okay. Um, yeah, because I knew she looked a little familiar. Um, but, I mean, I would say that, like, uh, talking off podcast, I mean, obviously, this is not, like you said, this is like a $60 million movie. This is not a, I'm assuming Godzilla was like, a, Godzilla King of the Monsters, like, over $100 million. Like, like $175 million, yeah. Right. And in that movie, like, Every part is like, you know, a, you know, it's, it's like, oh, that's Kyle Chandler. That's like, like, we didn't get that in this movie where even if they don't have a lot to do because of their presence and because of our familiarity, it's like, oh, it's that guy or that's what she does. Like, it's not like that. Um, sure. I would have, that would have been great, but I just know that's just, it's just not that kind of budgeted that, film. Yeah. But that at the same time, like being who we are, I, I recognize every single person in this movie as somebody I've seen. Oh, for before. sure. <laughs> Uh, well, except for me, who apparently didn't recognize her, but uh, but yes, besides that, uh, yes. Oh, and I like the suits, the design of the what I thought of as the kind of Gears of War video gamey, those big, huge suit things that they wore. I thought were pretty cool. My and... main my main thing with the suits was, gosh, this looks heavy. Like even if they're not real aquatic suits, I'm thinking this couldn't have been fun to film in every day. Like climbing <laughs> this thing, <laughs> this, this cumbersome plastic <laughs> costume, and have to like move around with this and act. <laughs> No, that's true. That's true. But uh, I, I don't disagree. I do like the suits. I like how they're... I, I like how they take their helmet on and off enough for you to get it. Like, if we're talking about, like, geography of scenes, I think the costume designing is effective enough where you get a sense of how these things function. Like, yeah. You, you get, like, where the air is, how the helmets work. You can see everybody's face. Like, I, that's always a neat thing. You have to design helmets. Like, how do you make a good a good helmet that's all that also looks like something you haven't seen before? This movie does the job. Like, you get a sense of, like, okay, you can see everybody's face pretty clearly, but it still looks unique enough for, you know, this specific movie. So. No, no, I totally agree. I liked all that. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's just, like, little things that kept popping up in my mind where, like, the... I mean, it's not a spoiler to say people die in this movie because it's one of these kind of movies where people eventually die. It felt like every death was, like, predictable in terms of, like, who was going to go next based off, like, casting. It just, it's like, yep, this person's probably going to die now, and then it's going to be them, and then there's going to be some sacrifice. Actually, I was, I was surprised with the first death. I did not think that person would die. I was not at all. Really? <laughs> I was surprised. Okay, I was surprised. Well, especially, and also... Um, the way some of the deaths are surprising. Yeah, the, the way I was happy, I was not happy with, but the way I was like, okay, that, yeah, I, I wasn't dissatisfied with how 
we got two people perishing. But no, in terms of like the order, I'm like, well, he's going to go first. He's the least recognizable person in this movie. <laughs> like that's that just kind of stuck out to me. <laughs> but, um, and like other like things like you know the the suits are only as vulnerable as you need them to be in the script at the time. Where it's like in one second you're like they can withstand all kinds of damage and get thrown around and whatnot, and others they're super fragile. It's just like little things like that just kind of get to me. Where it's like okay, like no, I agree. The the script is telling me when I can be worried about certain things involving these characters more than me just being absorbed into the movie. But I mean, at the same time, I was absorbed into watching most of this go down. In particular, like you're saying, in that third act where like the last twenty minutes, I think there's a lot of like really cool stuff to keep you kind of thrilled i guess well it's also because i feel like i don't know if this is a huge spoiler but the the main monster or whatever it in its own way it kind of has a personality and i was like oh, oh yeah that's cool like yeah yeah the other monsters are kind of just you know th- there's really nothing to them but yeah. the main thing you get to i was like oh well like, they all they all like play peekaboo i mean we, we got that right right <laughs> which is hilarious to me it's the same as like <laughs> Like paranormal activity, where it's like, I mean, you're already there. You got, you got to wait like four days before you finally like go to town. You can just, just get them. Yeah. <laughs> these monsters, just like, they don't know you're there. Like, just, just eat them. Like, if that's what you're gonna do. <laughs> like, like, what, what, are you, what are you waiting for? For <laughs> crew. Um, you know, in a weird way, I almost think that. I hope this is, doesn't make it sound like I'm mean overly critical or, or, or hopefully not cynical, but I mean, the, 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 the title kind of says it all. I mean, it's a pretty generic title. I I'm very curious what the process was to narrow down the choices for titles for this movie. Cause underwater really is like the most, gen- like it's so generic. I'm surprised there aren't other movies called underwater. It's like, <laughs> did, um, various producers of seventies alien ripoffs were thinking underwater. No, that's, that's, that's nonsense. We don't, that's a stupid title. And then like, 2020, they're like, guys we got it underwater and so it's like brilliant <laughs> put that on a poster it looks even better there you're right you're gonna raise <laughs> i mean because if well it just made me think that i mean i guess these movies they do have somewhat generic names but i mean, quiet, I mean think about the word alien alien is a pretty alien you know like but it know, it's really effective you know it's weird we think about it this way where you have alien in 1979 like is that a movie that's like calling it shot? If you name a movie Alien, and there's already been Alien movies, I mean Star Wars exists, and at that point, like if you call a movie simply Alien, is that like Ridley Scott and Walter Hill and whoever else like just calling their shot and saying we made it, we made the definitive movie about aliens? I mean, maybe, right? yeah, like because huh. like they don't know it's going to be a hit, like they don't know how it's going to do, but they called it Alien. <laughs> well, you're right. You know what? You know what I mean. That's it's like just, a that's like a bold stance to take if you make it that simple. I mean, it's kind no, of no, like, you're, yeah, right. Because if you go back to you know whatever, so that's seventy nine. You go back twenty fifteen years to uh, something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I mean, thing that's from another world, or you know. Oh, whatever. I guess the thing. That's a pretty simple word. Like the but thing. even then, that movie's based off you know the book, the thing from another world, the book. Right, 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 right. But then I keep thinking after Alien, it's like you get. I mean, 10, 20 years later or whatever, you get, you know, Sphere. Um, I mean, I guess Event Horizon is kind of like, what does that mean? Like, well, that, that specifically has to do with, like, they travel at the, like, their wormholes. and Like, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, <laughs> some of these do have meanings. But, yeah, Underwater is like, okay. 
Even like the abyss, the abyss has. There's foreboding in that kind of title too. Yeah, it's foreboding. It is like, oh, what you know? How deep can you go? And who knows if if there was never a movie called The Abyss, they might have called this The Abyss. Yeah, (laughs) availability is our reasoning. (laughs) (laughs) Would have been a better title. Um, But I'm just glad that they didn't spell underwater in a weird way or do something like that because they could have done that where they're like it's underwater but it's this like so i'm glad they didn't do that so um then wait question did you see the signal yeah i said abe and i are huge fans of the signal oh okay all right so you like that more than of the two yes i yeah i like that movie a lot uh i would agree i i i yeah i mean for any missteps it takes and i haven't seen it in six years so forgive me but i mean it's still visually very inventive i like what it was doing i like some of the tricks it played on me like it it just felt really fresh. That's a movie that took I didn't like I didn't know anything about it going in, so like it took a lot of turns for me as far as where it went. And yep. that cast has proven to be pretty strong that they're all in stuff. So, you know, good on them. Now I do not know how much it costs. And I know it's based on a book or, or and it's, you know, um, arguably a more talented filmmaker, but it's also a one word title. Did you like Annihilation more than Underwater? Well, yeah, Annihilation was great. Like that was one. Of oh, okay, because I know I really no, I know I remember when it came out. Some people were a little mixed because they were they didn't think it was as good as Ex Machina. Um, yeah, but that subsided pretty quickly when it like basically was bombed at the box office, and everyone was like, yeah, "I can't believe Paramount did nothing for this movie." Yes. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I actually now I am wondering: Do you think Annihilation costs more money, or do you think it's more just the talent involved? Costs more money than what than this? Then it, underwater. I mean, it's a very artful looking movie, but it is. It it, has big, there's no way that's a hundred million dollars. I mean, stars. Like, Let's see. No, forty to fifty-five million. So yeah, lower than that. Lower, okay. lower than this. I, get, I can get that because that you know you can go to you can go to a place and make annihilation and like alter it later. Where this is like there's complete CG environments because you're underwater and you have to make all that stuff work. This this would I would think this is a more expensive movie um, offhand. I would agree. Um, but I really liked uh, Annihilation. I think that I've seen, I've seen it many times since, and uh, and that's it's really grown on me. It's very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. Um, I feel like that's the movie that if we are, I mean, it's really not necessarily like Alien, but if we were talking about a big genre movie with a cast and side, like that's the one that I think is going to be remembered in a couple of years. Oh, or, for sure. I mean, it, well, it has more thematically going on too. Like it has actually, it's asking questions about what's taking place and giving you something to chew on where this movie is like, it's a pretty A to B adventure story that happens to have monsters and thrills in it. I mean, there's, it's not do like, you think, do you think you always need that? I mean, like, no, you don't always need that, but in terms of, you know, like you just said, if you're going to watch a movie down the line, that one that you're still thinking about, it's Annihilation for good reason. Like, I mean, it, I, I, I can. there's movies I can praise for how good they are on a technical level or the feelings they gave me at the time, but just ultimately are pretty empty inside. I mean, Joker's that way. Like, I like Joker well enough, but I'm not, you know, I don't think about it at all. <laughs> like, I, it, I mean, it, that's a little different. It, it, it seems like it supposes the, like, it plants some ideas that makes you think it's deeper than it is, in my opinion. I know others dislike it a whole lot more than I do, but I mean, watching it in the moment, I'm like, yeah, I'm into this. I'm into what's going on. I'm into the performance. I'm into the filmmaking or what have you. But ultimately, it doesn't mean much to me, so I'm gonna pass and move along. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of like the big block, like a lot of the a lot of the MCU is that way, where it's ultimately pretty empty. I mean, there's some of them that stand out for various reasons, but a lot of them are just like, yeah, that's, that was the next one. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> that doesn't, you know, it it doesn't speak down to the amount of effort put into their or whatnot, but I mean, it's like, yeah, all right, that's the twenty fourth MCU movie, great. Like now I can see, yeah. you know. <laughs> Not even exaggerating. That's Black Widow, right? In Black Widow, the twenty fourth MCU movie. <laughs> like, it's... I think that is. T- yeah, because because we've twenty twenty third was yeah. I think twenty two was Avengers and twenty three was Spiderman, Far From Home. Uh, so, yeah. Oh wait 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 wait! I thought Captain Marvel. Okay, so that's twenty one. Yes, Captain Marvel is twenty because because I know Ant Man and the Wasp was twenty because that abused me. I was like, that's funny that that's the twentieth Marvel movie. But... Um, oh right, because Captain Marvel was going into going into Endgame because we were all wondering if it was going to have like big 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 things yeah. to tell us before yeah. we saw Endgame. It was the magician's nephew of Marvel movies. That's a C.S. Lewis joke because Magician's Nephew is a prequel before the line this Witch in the Wardrobe, but it came out after that book. Anyway. Um... <laughs> It's very really necessary to go into that. But um, any other thoughts on Underwater, the movie we were talking about? Oh no, I mean, if you you know, I still think that look, if you like these kind of movies and it's a matinee, sure, you know, like it's it's still nice to see on a big screen, but it's probably fine to you know to wait on Netflix or whatever to watch yeah, it. Yeah, if you're if you're in between the Oscar movies that are going into wide release this you know well that's true next I... month this is fine for a January thriller like this it's good and it's probably better than the grudge which i did not see so i can't say that oh i didn't see that either yeah can't say that definitively but yes this is this is one of the better january thriller releases that it's come out or come along uh, but yeah it's nothing special from my eyes anyway well all right that's underwater let's talk about some other movies that we've seen recently uh, peter you just saw 1917 today right i did i saw oh. it mm-hmm. i saw it today i had um the screening i feel like the screening from 1917 was right before I left town or something. So I didn't get to go, but um, I am not, I, I have not been a huge fan of uh, Dunkirk, which a lot of people love. Um, and uh, not necessarily because uh, isn't, I was about to say Wonder Woman is also world war one, right? Yes. So I'm not necessarily anti world war one movies, but, um, but <laughs> something, I, something I was uh, going to accuse you of immediately. <laughs> Right, because I'm like, well, I guess that's not it. But I mean, like, I I don't know. Did when you I, like War Horse? Were you against War Horse? Oh, I was all right with War Horse. Yeah, I was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought it was, I didn't mind that. Like, um, but um, I was. It was just 1917 was just one of those movies for some reason that I was like, I like Sam Mendes, love Roger Deakins. Like, I don't know why. You know, the the notion that it's it's almost like one long take kind of like type of thing. I'm like, I don't know why I'm not like super stoked to see this, you know? And then of course, uh, the golden globes, which I never know how much impact they really do have, but obviously it, it won, uh, golden globes. It, it went wide. Did it go wide two weekends ago or this weekend? This weekend, I would say the golden globes have an impact in terms of the audience is going to be more aware of this movie now, but in terms of voting, both nothing. Well, the voting already happened. So, <laughs> cause as of, as of this podcast, like well, the voting for nominations yeah. happened, the actual voting for the movie hasn't happened yet. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, correct, correct, correct. Um, um, but however, so I saw it today at a matinee at the Arc Light in the Dome. Uh, a lot of cute... context for this, but keep going. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. A lot oh, of context for this. But oh, keep going. Uh, so no, I, I, I liked it a lot. I, um, I, I thought it was really great, and it, it probably would have, it probably would have been like my top twenty. I don't know if it would have been my top ten, um, but I thought, I thought it was really terrific. One thing I want to say before we do our deep dive is um, 
One thing that occurred to me watching this was, and this is not related at all, but 1917 and uh, the PlayStation 4 exclusive Death Stranding, I know, that sounds weird, very uh-huh. different, very different stories. Um, but when I was watching 1917, it made me think that I, I, maybe this is just these two movies but, or the movies in game or whatever, but there is something that is narratively compelling to me, even though it can sound boring to people when you say it's a movie or it's a story about this guy that needs to just walk to this place. Cause that's basically what 1917 is. It's two guys who need to go from one place to the other. And that's also what death stranding is. People it's are the like, last oh. of us too. Wait, what? It's the last of us also. Yeah. Like I, well, I mean, do they get on a horse on that? But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> But I don't know. It's it's the kind of thing that I could think that if you haven't seen the movie, you could think that sounds boring. Like, really? That's the whole thing? They're just walking around the whole time? Um, but it's very effective. And obviously... Who would describe 1917 as two guys walk somewhere? Like, the movie's pretty intense as far as, like, you have to make it to this point before this or this happens. I mean, it's pretty... Oh, absolutely. In your face about what the objective is. Like, does it, you know, it's not, it's not Norman Reedus slowly walking with a baby jar in his lap like I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little more it's a little more um intense uh, well dust training it's pretty intense i know it does but i mean in terms of like the general i wouldn't i wouldn't make fun of 1917 as it's two guys walking because it's like i mean the trailer is showing you them running like constantly <laughs> well no that's true that's true um but uh i liked it but i liked it a lot i um it's funny because i didn't love did you like specter what were your thoughts on specter I think Spectre is a very middle-of-the-road Bond movie. I don't think it's particularly terrible, but I don't think it's particularly great. And it's certainly a come-down after um, Skyfall. Skyfall. Uh, It looks... I look forward to... (laughs) It's weird, because I'm going to rewatch all the Craig movies, obviously, along with any others I can get into, but I have to watch, you know, the two good Craig movies and the two bad Craig movies. And (laughs) it's like... I'm looking forward to watching Spectre again, just because... It does have that spectacle quality to it that you, one you expect from a Bond movie, but also that Sam Mendes has proven to be very good at. Like I do think he, you know, you you think when you say Sam Mendes, I don't know if that still stands now because of the Bond movies or what have you. But you know, beforehand you'd think of like, oh yeah, American Beauty. Even though like Road to Perdition is a you know it's a beautiful looking movie that has some terrific action in it. Like it has some great like you know 1920s Chicago gangster action in that movie. And so when he signed up for Skyfall, I was like, yeah, all right, that makes sense to me. He's proven he can do that. He can make a great-looking movie as well as one that had, handles action stuff in it. And sure enough, Skyfall was amazing in that regard. It's a, it's a fantastic action movie. So Spectre comes along, and they're like, all right, he's, he's back. Sure, let's see where that goes. And he made a movie that it certainly has action in it. It has other problems, but the action isn't one of them. The action is pretty great in that movie. And that like it has a big tracking shot of the opening. Speaking of tracking shots, like the whole... He's in Mexico City, right? And it's like a long... Like, oh, yeah, that's for uh, Dia, de, Dia de los Muertos, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has that whole thing going for it. So, I mean, what were you asking? If I like Spectre? I think Spectre's... Yeah, it's fine. Like, it's just... In terms of what it was coming after and, like, the potential, it felt like it could be a lot better than it was. I liked... Yeah, I liked Spectre a lot more. I I just watched Spectre, like, last month or something, and I, oh. liked, I liked it more the second time. Um, see, I watched, I, I watched it in the theaters and I'm like, okay. And I watched it on Blu-ray. I had to review the Blu-ray for it. I was like, this movie's long. Like, that was my main take was like, this movie takes forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, in which in which 1917 does not. 1917 is less is very efficient. Yeah. yeah, very efficient. Um, but yeah, like going diving into uh, 1917. Um, I also really liked, unless you're about to tell me that we were just talking about how movies like Godzilla or whatever or or Underwater, it helps if you have name actors in small roles. Uh, there are a few in in this. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, we yeah, don't, we, we can go say to that. all of them. But I mean, I mean, Colin Firth and Benedict Cumberbatch are in the trailer. We can put it that way. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you know that they're in it, but I mean, I are the the two leads. Do we know them from anything? I don't know. I didn't recognize them. Uh, I mean, they're certainly lesser known. George McKay, the taller one, he was in um, Captain Fantastic, a movie that we're big fans of in this podcast, um, the Viggo Mortensen movie from a few years ago. Um, and he starred in the movie Pride uh, from a little while back as well. Uh, but I mean, and the, and the kid, the younger one, the, sorry, the shorter one, he was on Game of Thrones. He's one of the um, the um, Lannister kids. Well, he was king at some point, I believe. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't. I, I didn't recognize them. Um, but I. I mean, for me, yeah, that, I know what you're saying in terms of like who are they. Yes, they're let. They're much lesser known actors by design, as opposed to having you know very recognizable people as some of the people you encounter in the movie. But yeah, for for me, I was. Um, I you know I I like that. Essentially, you can almost argue that yes, you're right. They are. They are running a lot of times. They aren't just walking. But we spend the first half of I feel like the first half of the movie is these two people who these uh, two infantry men who do know each other. It's not like they just met or anything. Yeah, they're friends. Yeah. Um, they're friends. Um, but that doesn't mean that things are perfect. There's some resentment and stuff going on. But um, but along their trails, they, you know, uh, get to have stories and tell tell things about each other. And it really helps, even though visually what Roger Deakins is doing by weaving us in and out of these. I mean, like we start, I think we start in a big trench, right? We, well, oh, no, it, no, get, start, it gets to it. Start it, start, on, it starts right. on, them right. just resting on a tree. Right. Like, I forgot about that. And then we go into the trench, right. Yeah. And everything. But like considering all the technical feats that like the crazy stuff that Deakins and his crew is pulling off to ground it with just these two guys who are kind of like, buying their time and trying to figure out like, you know, you know what they're going to do and stuff. It works pretty well. I mean, like it, it, it doesn't feel like banter for the sake of banter. If that makes sense. I agree. Uh, Anna and I saw it again yesterday. So I'm more fresh on 1917 now, but um, the, one of the best things I think it does is it constant. it's cameras constant. I mean, it's obviously in motion because it's designed to be one take, but it constantly moves in front of the actors um, so you're looking, you're looking at them walking towards you, and I think that does a, it does a great job of both conveying, you know, the various emotions they're going through, but also keeping the tension alive, because you're you're watching them looking at what you can't see in front of them, and so you're you're getting a you're getting a kind of a, as they're recognizing things are taking place, you're seeing that register on their face, but you're not seeing what they're responding to, and I think that adds to that adds a certain level of tension that both. You're you're already getting a lot of character work because you get to see them reacting to things, and you get like the same like the sensation of I don't know what's happening right now, and so I think it's a good mix of like well, you know it's trying real... to develop trying to develop those characters and give you like you know reason to be excited or you know tense. Well, not to keep bringing it back to Godzilla, although I know you don't usually have a problem with that, but um, <laughs> there's a there's a particular scene in the movie where I, I watched a Godzilla movie like four hours ago. <laughs> 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 um, 
they there's a scene where there are three planes in the air and they're uh-huh. like, oh, like it's our guys, and I think our guys are winning. And the way the shot is, I was like, oh, I think this plane's gonna, I think something's gonna happen that it's gonna, it's gonna really fill the frame and they're gonna be in danger. And that kind of reminded me of the, is it 2014? Is that the Gareth Edwards Godzilla? Yes. Where a lot of that, where a lot of that is, we only see Godzilla from where a human would see Godzilla, right? The point of view. Mm hmm. Um, and that kind of reminded me of that. Like, that we're, is, I mean, is that kind of what you're talking about? Do we only see what they're about to see type of thing? Yeah, the whole conceit of Godzilla, of 2014's Godzilla is let's only have cameras in places where humans could, could see Godzilla from. Like, that was the general idea. It kind of, I'd say it gives up on that a little bit towards the end, but you also get to see Godzilla breathe fire down a monster's throat, so I can't complain about that too much. Um, <laughs> yeah, this movie, the camera rarely leaves their perspective. There's, I... I mean, even when it does, it's only because it's just viewing them from a distance. It's never giving you kind of stuff that's too out of touch with the actual, with the main characters. So, Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I thought that like 1917 and I, I knew nothing about this particular incident that's going on. I didn't really know. And actually, to be fair, I was actually, I will say strangely for something that's such a simple concept, um, I was I felt a little lost in the beginning, not in a, not in a way that I thought the movie was like obscure or something, but like just in terms of maybe thinking of this is 1917. What kind of te- technology exists? Because why do why do these guys have to go all this way in order to hopefully stop um, stop uh, what would we say is an attack or whatever? An like, ambush, yeah ambush or whatever like i mean the main thing is like is is uh colin firth as general exposition explained uh, the the uh, the germans all cut the telephone lines so they couldn't there's no other way to communicate with oh great i guess i somehow that didn't register with me yeah, he, he's he's stay he's dumping a lot of exposition at the beginning of the movie but like his main one of he among the things he says was they all cut they cut the telephone lines as well so we that's why we need you to do this like we, we there's no other way oh, okay well then there, there. um uh, and i mean also... yes i mean it's it's a matter of I mean, it's it's not specifically based off like you know these two guys that actually did this thing or whatnot, but it is it's an amalgam. I think it's an amalgamation of stories and ideas for a story to kind of get across this sense of journey that one has to go on, and you know by sending two guys as opposed to like a whole squadron or whatever. I mean, you intensify the drama and what have you. And he, like they even mentioned, they even asked that it's like just two of us. And Colin Firth says something along you know that kind of. A, provides some kind of justification for only sending two people to do this thing. So, I mean, you got to go with it. I mean, it's a, it's a movie at that point as far as like why this would be the way to do it. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, another thing I thought was kind of cool was, um, and I mean, and maybe it's, when did Saving Private Ryan come out? 98. Um, so it's been, yeah, like 21 years Almost or 20, know, yeah, over 20 years. Um, but one of the things I loved about, Saving Private, and I don't actually. I'm not a huge Saving Private Ryan person, but obviously, I don't think it's terrible. Like, I still think it's really good. I just don't love it like everybody. But it's not my top five Spielberg. It is not. No, but um, but one of the things I thought that Spielberg did a great job of, and he sort of was doing this in Schindler's List, but it's a little more because it's a war, like you know Normandy or beach and everything. Is it's like you're with somebody, and then the next, you know, you. I think there's that shot where like. 
is it Tom Hanks? So There's a moment where like someone's talking to somebody on the beach and then the camera pans and then the guy's head's blown off. It's, it's just like in that quick moment, this person is gone. And I thought in this movie, it's nowhere near as um, uh, it's not action violent like that. But like uh-huh. that's there's a there's a lot of scenes, but there's a particular one where it's like they reach some destination and you just see like all these bodies that are like partially buried you know, so you kind of see a chin, you kind of see a hand. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, that's right. And the one guy, he, he's just – I was at the beginning of the movie. He had just cut his hand and mm-hmm. he – do they fall? And he puts his hand and some guy's like – he they, they climb into a ditch. First guy climbs – he ju- he has just cut his hand on a barbed wire. He climbs to a ditch. He looks to his side and he sees some rats crawling out of a body. Then the other one comes in and he sees a body that scares him until he pushes back on the other guy and then it pushes his hand into the body <laughs> it's a, it's a big like, oh. it's a big groan moment for the entire audience by design it's pretty right. cool. <laughs> <laughs> um but but like i thought that it did a they i know it's, it sounds like a weird thing to stand out but they they did a terrific job of like you know just because you know we do see in movies and in games or whatever you know corpses or whatever all over the place but like it, it was pretty effective it wasn't it's not like it was horrific like a horror movie but there was a matter of factness about it that was still very like um, yeah it's not in your face about the the gore of war i guess is the best way to say it i think i said this on our previous episode where we talked about 1917 but i think it it does a good job of making it a movie that pretty much could play for everybody like i'm not saying you need to bring very very little children to this but i do think it's the kind of r-rated movie where you could very easily show it to a younger audience and they can kind of be in on it without being disgusted by what's taking place. Um, granted their sensitive ears aren't too hurt by hearing the F bomb being dropped. But I mean, I think, <laughs> I think in terms of the content, it's not the worst thing you can see as far as violence goes. Cause I think the, the way it's depicting war is pretty effective. I would agree. Although wait, as long as you bring up the F bomb thing, um, there's a, there are a few uses of the F bomb that to me felt very like, modern vernacular that I'm like, really? 1917? They talk that way? I was like, ah, maybe they did. I don't know. Like, or maybe it's not that big of a deal. We're just like, ah, who cares? I, like, I just, I mean, it's the kind of thing where, like, I'm in a movie zone. I'm in a movie zone where, you know, all of these things happen to one person or two people over the course of, like, six hours. I just had to kind of buy with it. And so if, if I'm hearing people saying certain kinds of lines or what have you, it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't, it's, it's not getting to me in that, you know, modern vernacular would have you like it's it's fine. Like I I, I, t- I tend to be rubbed more the wrong way when you really go out of your way to affect an accent or do something to kind of make yourself seem authentic. If if you're without going like the whole nine yards, like that's why the witch works for me so well. It's because like not only are they speaking in old English, they're speaking in old English. Like it feels like someone did the research and like they're yes. really speaking the dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as opposed to like you know have English actors playing Russian characters and they speak with Russian accents. It's like they just be speaking Russian. Like why even have an accent at this point? It doesn't make any sense to me. Like so it's like you know I I don't mind it. It doesn't get to me that kind of thing. No, I would agree. Um, but no, overall, I I I am happy that not to pat myself on the back or whatever, but I mean, like, I'm I'm happy that I could go see a movie that was getting very good reviews. And you, you know, you were telling me to go see it and everything. Um, and I, even though for some reason I just wasn't really that jazzed, um, but I know it, it's really terrific, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, if this. 
if this were to end up, I'm pretty sure it's going to get Oscar nominations. If oh, yeah. this ends up being the movie that wins, um, it's not my favorite. Like I can tell you what I prefer, but I wouldn't be mad. I'd be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I was like, I can see this. Yeah, this makes sense. Like I can see why this would win. Um, yeah, no, looking at the potential movies that are going to be nominated for Best Picture, there's only one that would be like, really? Like, every other one would be like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Wait, would that be Joker? Yeah, it'd be Joker. Best Picture of the year? But overall, I mean, I don't know if you had different observations about 1917, but... Uh, you, mentioned yeah, the dia- but- you mentioned the dialogue, and you, and you thought this movie... Because we were, we were talking about this a little lot before recording about Dunkirk in comparison, and where you feel like the the dialogue is flat in that movie versus this one, where there has to be a lot of it for one thing, which I guess makes more sense. But that I mean, I think the difference here is that it is, even though it's one, it's real time. It is care. It is pretty character centric. It is focused on you know these two guys and the people they interact with throughout the day. Where I think Dunkirk is very much designed for you not to necessarily regard the dialogue and the character work with that much regard you can get it behind the people just because you ideally want people to survive this ordeal but you're not thinking well, i hope i really learned about the backstory of of uh one direction what's his name you know that guy. <laughs> styles <laughs> styles yeah um or and, I, and that's not i mean just like godzilla you keep mentioning tom hardy is another one it's like i don't need to hear a bunch about who tom hardy is he's tom hardy like he brings that energy to it so the, the character works for me already and he's a He's just great in that movie. Like, I think all the veteran, I mean, was it uh, Kenneth Branagh, who has most of the dialogue in that movie. And I think, I mean, you, you talk about his line readings. He, I think the things he has to say in that movie are pretty good. Like, there's a lot of just good things that he says that kind of set up the mood or have a little bit of that kind of wry Englishness to it that, you know, make it fairly palatable for a summer blockbuster. I mean... I don't know. Like, I, I mean, isn't Kenneth Brown the one who says when he's looking through the binoculars and like, what do you see? And he says, hope. Isn't that him? Uh, yeah. I mean, he says something along those lines. Or he say, yeah, he has one earlier where he's, you know, it's like, you can, you can almost see it. What? Home. Like it. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. Like, yeah. Like, I, you know what? It's the kind of thing that, um, I guess, you know, pre-internet or whatever, if you're just watching the movie, uh, sure. I think the line delivery is fine. Um, it's, but it, it is the kind of thing where it, it can seem in the culture we live in that it's easy to kind of eye roll about it. I guess that's the kind of stuff I was talking about. Um, I, I suppose, I, but it's I, also, I mean, it worked. I mean, it was a yeah, huge I mean, success. I, 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 mean, no, I, I, I'm always going to want Nolan or any filmmaker you know, except for maybe like a Tarantino who's such a wordsmith or something like I, I of course, I, I really want them to focus on telling their story through visuals and, and, and sound or whatever, more than just talky talky. Of course I do. I, I, no, absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll throw this but, out there since you brought it up. I think Tarantino doesn't get nearly enough credit. He might this year, uh, but not nearly enough credit for how good he is with the stuff that isn't dialogue. Oh. Oh, I, I think he's I think he's I, terrific. I, I think he's a treme- he's a tremendous not just a great writer, he's a tremendous director as far as getting across scenes full of emotion through people looking at stuff or reaction to, reacting to things. He, no, no, he abs- he absolutely is. Um I just use him as an example. Oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's an easy yeah, example. I mean, he's just one of those people. But but no, absolutely he absolutely has uh, you know, like Cooper he he just has a he just or Spielberg. He just seems like one of those people who was born to be a filmmaker. Like he just has a natural ability, hmm. like to, you know, to tell stories uh, that way. Um, 
But I, you know, it's it's interesting. One other thing I wanted to say about 1917, um, if I'm right, Sam Mendes, was he like, I don't know if he was a playwright, but was he like... I believe he was a theater guy, yeah. Right, was he like the British version of Broadway? Like he was a... Yeah, he did a lot he of state. Yeah, he did a lot of stage work before. Um, but it's yeah, it's very interesting because you know if you see Revolutionary, is it Revolutionary Road? Is that what it's yes. called? Yeah. If you were to see that, even though it is beautifully shot and everything, um, you could go, oh, I can kind of see why he's an actor's director. He mm-hmm. probably worked with people on stage. That's why he's really good. But you're right. His all his movies are pretty visually like American Beauty, Road to Perdition, this like. They're they're not like plays. I mean, they they he really doesn't. I mean, he had Conrad Hall like shooting this first oh, two right. movies. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, and yeah, Deacons has done. I think all the like he did Jarhead. He did. Uh, did he do Revolutionary Road? Probably. It looks great. Yeah, he did Revolution. Who did? Well, who did Away We Go? Was it Deacons again? That'd be that'd be surprising. It wasn't. That makes sense. Oh, I, was... I forgot about Away We Go. I like Away We Go. I like that movie quite a bit too. That's just speaking of John Krasinski and his big nose. That's just that's a nice movie. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now do you um, now do you think that uh, um, Roger Deakins, who had never won until Blade Runner two years mm-hmm. ago, um, do you think it's his to lose this year? I think so. Like I. The competition is what? Once Upon a Time with Richardson, um, Irishman, with, I got, I had these, uh, I had all my nominations predicted. Um, uh, who else would be? Uh, I, I, mean, I, I think, I'm pretty sure Joker will get a nomination. Joker will be up there. Yeah. Like, uh, The Lighthouse is a long shot at this point, but I'd love to see it in there because it's a wonderfully made movie in that regard. Um, what's the other? There's like one other obvious one that I'm forgetting. Um, it's not Parasite, is it? Let's see. Um, Parasite is very well shot. It's a very well shot movie, but I'm trying to... Um, Ford v. Ferrari, that's another one. There are people who are putting that up. Um, yeah. Yeah, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Irishman, Joker. One of the uh, things I, I really like, I mean, Richardson, uh, he's, yeah, fantastic. I, 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 Has he shot all the Tarantino movies? No, but he shot the last because he shot um he shot Hateful Eight for sure. Did he shoot Django? He shot a lot of them at this point. I know that. It's... But I feel like um part of yeah, part of it is working Django. with a particular director. But like um I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and a huge reason, a big part of Blade Runner twenty forty nine is. Is what Deacons brings is the visual palette. Um, the use of colors and composition and everything is great. Um, and it's interesting that I, I mean, it's 1917. I mean, it's so muted, and it's really more about how the camera is able to like navigate mm-hmm. the the I don't know navigate like the the lo- the locations or whatever. I don't know how we would say this. Yeah, it's but, more in line with with uh, like Birdman, like as cool. far as. Correct. Yeah. Just like the, the how the camera is floating through this world, as opposed to how amazing this. And I mean, the movie does look amazing. There's some amazing shots of this movie. That, that whole like nighttime cityscape that he goes to at one point, like it's amazing. It's pretty. It's breathtaking. Yeah, it is very. Bre- yes, I, I really love that too. It's um, my. It's my second favorite scene of a cross in a silhouette this year, next to Godzilla, King of the Monsters. <laughs> Well, of course, obviously. Like, uh, but uh, Richardson yeah. goes back to Kill Bill, so yeah, he's been with Tarantino for this mille- this whole millennia. So, um, 
So wait, wait. So for you, would you, if this wins the Oscar, um, I'm not saying it's your favorite movie, but would you be like, okay. For Best Picture? Yes. I mean, it's on my top ten, so yeah. Um, so except for Joker, like everything, you would be fine. Like yeah, with... it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the end of the. I just for one thing, it, I don't think I don't see that happening. So that'd be strange for to begin with. But I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world if Joker won Best Picture. I mean, if I can deal with Green Book, which I do like, I just <laughs> if I can deal with that, I can deal with Joker being the Best Picture of the Year. Watch us jinx this right now, and Joker wins everything. <laughs> <laughs> People are painting their faces red and running the streets. You know, Green Book's a weird one. I mean, I I was kind of it's weird for 2019. It's not weird in terms of Oscar history. <laughs> Correct. I, I I threw my hands up when it won, but I mean, when I watched Green Book, I was like, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> well, yeah, it's good. It, yeah, it it does the job. I mean, it's just like, it, I mean, it's, yeah. this is this is the best picture of 1982. Like, it's great. In right. that <laughs> yes, I would agree. Um, well, now, I mean. Going with that, I mean, wait, um, yeah, what, I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, if 1917 folded a giant pizza in half, then I mean, it'd probably be the best movie ever. Like that's that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Hold on, guys, we gotta eat this pizza. How are we gonna do it? We'll just fold it in half right now. We'll be in tunnels. <laughs> Watch out for that rat. <laughs> um, I oh, let me ask you this. There's another time I was talking to a friend about. You know, all I mean, look. All movies, you know, fictional narratives or whatever, they're all, even if they're based on true events, you know, incidents are, you know, they're, they're, they're scripted and hopefully there's a reason, there's a meaning like for why things happen and stuff. Uh-huh. I was talking to a friend. I mean, I, I'm hope, hoping we can do this. Spoilers. I was talking to a friend about uh, Booksmart and while he loved the gag about the serial killer like that there's yeah. that they did meet a serial killer. He didn't like that. It became a reason for a character to get out of a situation. He was just like, Oh, that's kind of convenient or whatever. Now, having said that in 1917, um, this is the movie where one character inexplicably pops up at every single location they go to because the movie's super realistic, right? Wait, wait, what? What? In Booksmart, there's a character, there's Gigi, who pops up everywhere they go to, which makes no oh, well, that's no logical sense. Like, that's the oh, movie no, he's, com- he's complaining about that movie in terms of realism. Well, no, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> okay. but, and so I was going to ask, and I, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but there is a scene where a character comes across milk. And he, you know, he drinks, because obviously, you know, this is wartime, they take anything they can get. And so he, he fills his little canteen with milk. And I thought visually, I was like, oh, it's kind of an interesting choice. I mean, normally it's like water. There is a – that will later – that pays off later. Mm-hmm. Now, do you – just for you critically, do you think that's too easy? Are you like, oh, well, that was kind of convenient? Or are you like, oh, that's kind of a nice way to use that The thing? latter for sure. Again, because – I mean, for one thing, I just think it naturally does fit. It, I mean, given where they are, it's like it would make sense for them to find milk if they're in a location like that. And, yeah, that's a neat that's a neat way to – you know cap that thing off it's like oh we found milk and no there's a reason for this milk now beyond the fact that it's just i don't know nutritious or what have you uh but also again it's part of it's it's falls in line with the logic of the movie as far as things that happen because they needed to because it's the movie where these characters are going on this journey and they encounter all these different kinds of obstacles it's like okay yeah that that falls right in line with things as far as 
quote unquote unbelievable things happening within the span of a short amount of time. Yeah, I can I can buy that this is one of those things. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it betrays the tone of the movie I'm watching. I didn't think of the location. You're right. I guess that yeah, I guess that does make sense. It it's funny because one of the things I like about that is that there is a significant amount of time between him finding the pail of milk and the payoff later, um, Uh as opposed to um, I know this is such a weird comparison, but I I like the scene in Rise of Skywalker where we think that Ray might have used her Emperor Lightning powers uh, to destroy a beloved character. And they basically wait like five minutes to be like, oh, that character's OK. And I was like, all right, well, yeah, like I, I, <laughs> I was like, you could have you could have held some suspense on that. I was like, no, 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 that character's OK. The best the best credit I can do is that, well, it is Star Wars, which means that everyone's presumably excited for this thing and has probably watched the trailer many times. And anyone that's watched the trailer knows that Chewbacca is still in the movie <laughs> like it's like oh, right, if you've seen the scenes in the trailer you're like you wait see, that, that you see you see him flying with lando you see him fighting off stormtroopers in the hallway with finn and poe so it's like we know chewbacca's coming back <laughs> like it's just, it's i i don't think the movie's hand i don't think that scene's handled well enough for me to feel the weight of that scene i like the idea of ray being like chewy like yeah okay that there's a way to do that that i'd feel affected by it but in terms of when it happens and how it happens in the movie it is like He's fine. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think Well, it's a weird thing because like that scene, what's what I like about that scene is really more, it's really more the lightning. I did not expect that. I don't know if you did, but I, I did not. I was like, oh, I was like, that's that's an interesting new thing for Ray to do. So I, then didn't, nec- just, I didn't necessarily but- see it coming. But at the same time, it's like, well, what is it? This is, you know the span of microseconds of watching the scene for the first time is like, where, where can this go? They're in a duel. Is there in a force duel trying to pull this ship down? Like what's going to happen? Either the ship's going to explode or, you know, miscellaneous and miscellaneous happens to be electricity. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. I guess yeah. like it, it adds up in my mind, I guess. I mean, I, just, I think that's the, I think that's the first genuinely good scene in that movie. I mean, cause I, I, I saw that movie for a second time. I think that first half hour is pretty rough. Um, that's the you first scene where I was like, okay, that's a, that's a song. Oh, I, I like, I, I mean, I, I like when they get to that planet in general where they're at the festival. Like, that's cool. Cause I haven't seen, so I haven't seen, you know, Star Wars Burning Man before. Like, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure, sure. All right. Yes, I would. You, you don't like when they're like, they fly now, they fly now, they fly now. You know, you don't like all that, all that jokiness. I mean, I guess you could. classic quips. Right. If you, I guess then we almost say it's just, it's just, uh, that whole sequence is when to me the movie kind of takes off where I was sure. like, Oh, okay. I'm liking this, you know? So I know that's a weird tangent to go on star Wars, but you know, um, it, but I mean, just... cause also, cause that movie, I mean, yes, the first, the front, we're going to get so fucking long about star Wars. Now you, you, the first like 20 minutes. Yes. is very rushed. I do like, um, Kylo Ren on Mustafar, just mowing down people like that. That I said this on the, the, our, Rise of Skywalker podcast that felt very in line with where we left him after Last Jedi. If him just being like, I just want power, I'm full rage now, and so he's just the opening shot of the movie is him slaughtering people on this planet and cutting off their arms and whatnot, and it's in slow motion. Like that was that felt visually inspired in a movie where J.J. Abrams doesn't do very many visually inspired things. So I can see that. I I just, I don't know, I just felt a lot of it, it like you just said, a, a lot of that stuff felt very rushed. To, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're literally light speed skipping through through the plot, so. Right. Um, 
but yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, did you want to talk about, um, I know we've a little talked about it, but do you want to talk about Oscars? Yeah. I mean, we're recording this the night before, like hours before the Oscar nomination is going to be revealed. Um, a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things out there. Um, presumably what once upon a time, 1917 parasite. Those are like givens, right? Marriage, uh, story. marriage story, Jojo rabbit. Um, little women, little women, probably. Maybe, right. Yeah. I would think probably. What if we, we name one, two, three, four Irishman. Uh, oh yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, Joker, seven. Little Women will be eight. So Because that's eight. So what there's do... I know Knives Out is being considered apparently. Ford Ooh, I would v... be very happy if Knives Out got nominated. Ford V. Ferrari is uh, up there. Um The Two Popes for a while or the Fair the Farewell, those are other two there. I have a I would not be I would not be surprised if there's a surprise <laughs> that in in not to say that it, of course I I think they should both be nominated but if instead of Greta Gerwig being the the one female that gets a, a director's nomination if that happens it might not um, there's a weird part of me that feels like it could actually be Lulu Wang and it could be the farewell it could be that I could I for some reason I could see that happening. Um, but I don't know, you know, that'd be a neat surprise for sure. I don't know. I mean, but they always do every now and then there are weird Oscar surprises where I'm like, well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I tweeted this earlier, but I, I forgot and was happy to rediscover that one of my favorite movies of last year, cold war got nominated for best director last year. I was like, that's Ooh, great. That's I, great. <laughs> Cause I love that movie, but also it's like, I forgot that it was a best director nominee, which is so cool. <laughs> I mean, do you think the five direct, uh, the five Tarantino, directors are what Tarantino, Tarantino Bong Joon Ho, Sam Mendes. Those are those are three locks for sure. That's when it get after that it gets tricky. Um, uh, I mean, it could be Scorsese. It could be Scorsese. Oh, Taika Waititi is probably a lock, I think, for uh, Jojo Rabbit. Then it's like be, no, I don't. I keep going back and forth on where. Like, does Noah Baumbach get in there? Yeah, like... Does, does Todd Phillips go the distance that my joke tweet a year ago said that he would be a Best Director nominee for Joker? I feel like if Todd Phillips does get nominated for Director, which I think he will, I think that when all the think pieces are written about, especially about female directors, that's the person that they're going to say shouldn't got shouldn't have gotten nominated. They're going to be like, oh, Todd Phillips took Greta Gerwig's spot or whatever. Like, I feel like that because I don't think anybody there's no way Tarantino of course, or Boon Jong. Of course, they're going to get nominated. Like, yeah, I mean, Jojo Rabbit and Joker are the ones that have the most mixed reviews, too. Like, there's the ones that are they're not, you know, in the they're not in the 90s on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, they're in the true. 60s, I believe, like both of them. So it's um, did you see Jojo Rabbit? I forget. Yeah, I liked it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought it, I, I, it was in my top 20. Um, I, I still have not seen, did you say it's hunt for the wilder people? Yeah. I've never, I love what we knew the shadows. I like the show. I like Thor, Ragnarok. Uh, Ragnarok. Um, I, I, yeah, I like, I like his sensibilities and everything. For some reason I didn't see hunt. I thought Jojo rabbit was almost like him doing his own Wes Anderson, like, which isn't bad. That's not a bad thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I've only seen it once though. All right. Yeah. I, I like it quite a bit too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 
yeah, we'll see. I guess what happens with the fifth with that fifth slot for director. We... Now, do you think there's any chance? Um, I remember you and I on Facebook. Somebody this was, I think, probably in the summer or something saying how uh, it would be, uh, you know, an insult to cinema or whatever. If Endgame doesn't get an, a nomination, <laughs> it's funny how all that Endgame hype has really calmed down after the, you know, <laughs> the rest of the year happened. Uh, <laughs> I'll be, I'll, I'm, I'm assuming Endgame will get like three nominations. It'll be like sound visuals and, you know, sound again, the other sound. I can see that. Um, I don't see it going the distance in that way. Like, I get that it's huge. I get that it's a huge movie, but it's like, yeah, it, it, it did what it does. I mean, I mean, if 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 the if the Academy had done had they gone forward with their popular movie category, it would it would for sure it probably would have won. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, like it. No, that's the thing. Like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, like a three hundred million. I mean, it'd be in that category also by that logic. Like, it was no, a huge movie. True, it was, it was a huge summer hit. <laughs> I mean, but Endgame, which is, is why that Oscar is so stupid to begin with. The idea of best popular movie. It's, yeah, it's weird. Like, because um, like Knives Out would probably be in that category too, right? It's maybe two hundred fifty million so far. Like, it's you know, it's doing huh? its job. I really like Knives Out. Did you like Knives Out? I like Knives Out a lot. I don't like it. I seemingly I don't like it as much as others seem to. It's, it was it was in my like top thirty, I think, if not a little lower. Um, but I like yeah, I like it. I've seen it three times at this point. <laughs> so, oh uh, well, yeah, I only saw it once. Uh, uh, I saw it twice. I saw it once the screening. I saw it once Ivana, and then I watched it because he he put out a commentary online. So I watched my screener copy with the commentary track because I like his commentary. He's a good talker. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, he is a good talker. I love listening to him talk about Under the Skin, uh, my my decade favorite. Um, so, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always curious. Oh, here's another one. Do you think, beyond Best Picture and uh, Director, um, do you think that the Best Supporting Actress, do you think it is basically what people are saying, that it's going to be Jennifer Lopez versus Laura Dern? Probably based off all the awards that have happened and whatnot. It, yes. Here's it, here's my question. Yeah, as I've been wondering this with Marriage Story, does does Laura Dern really stand out to you like in that regard? Well, I, she, I'm not saying she's it's a bad performance because she's a good actress. Like, it, but like, does she stand out in a way where it's like, if we're watching Marriage Story, this is the performance you want to give an award to? No, she doesn't. Um, right. <laughs> I just, doesn't. I just don't know where it's come from all of a sudden beyond just like the collective will of people liking Laura Dern. Like that seems like the only thing it is. I think think it's also the fact that like we can't give her an Oscar for Big Little Lies. And I think everyone loves her character of Renata on Big Little Lies. So it's like, oh, well. Which is kind of what this character is. I know. It's a very similar performance. Tough, tough, brash L.A. person. Like like, you, you were big on Little Women. I think she's very good in Little Women as the mother. Like that seems like if a better performance of anything like <laughs> yeah but i feel like yeah it does it feels like that the big speech she gives about um marriage and men and women and and everything that feels like when i saw that i was like oh that's the scene that they show for yeah that's the clip scene yeah, yeah. Uh, it's easy to identify those <laughs> these <Yeah>. days <laughs> like um but and that's the thing too when they show Joaquin Phoenix, I know they're going to show like that stupid scene of him in the talk show with Robert De Niro, which I think is like one of the worst scenes in the movie. Well, you think that's going to be the scene? It'll, mm, 
we'll like what else would they show what's the joker clip that they i guess there's a lot of them he's you know you know he's in the whole movie <laughs> no i feel like to me it's the it's the it's the uh the therapy like you're not listening to me you know yeah that's I, have, I only have bad days that's the scene i thought would be that'd be a good scene to show but i feel like him in full joker paraphernalia on with on the talk show like screaming the themes of the movie at the camera <laughs> <laughs> like, that i think the oscars is just shallow enough to do that like i think that's that's how it will play out anyway yeah you might be right i, I didn't think of that um <laughs> another weird thing to bring up um even though you are right that i tend to be ba- yes based <laughs> on the previous awards Laura Dernan Jennifer Lopez are the people that are being highlighted for Best Supporting Actress. Typically, Best Supporting Actress is the is like the new ingenue. So that should be Florence Pugh, who's great in Little Women. Normally, it would be her, but for some reason, the conversation is is different this year. It's like it's all about Laura Dern and Jennifer Lopez. But I'm like, well, actually, normally it's like the Best Supporting Actor goes to an goes to like an older actor who maybe never won, and then the Best Supporting Actress is like, oh, who's this new actress? But I mean, I guess they're changing it this year. Uh, it can go either way in all of these categories. I mean, it, it, it tends to be like a it tends to be a showdown between the older and the younger. Like that's and and oftentimes it leans towards the older. Um, but yes, there are stand there. Are, yes, there there are whether it's what like Lupita and Twelve Years a Slave or. I mean, the nominees all go over all this, but I mean, there's, there, yeah, there's, you're not wrong. There's a lot of. That's another it, one. Uh, it can go is, in a lot of directions. Is there any chance Lapita is gonna get a nomination for us? <laughs> Sheer will, I suppose. I mean, it's <laughs> it's the it's the acclaim performance, so it's but it's horror, so it's like it's weird how you know the amount of acclaim that's gone one way versus the fact that it's this thing like is the the single thing that outweighs the chance that it happens that's where it comes down to it's, it's a pretty like i mean it's two character i mean like and it's a, it's so i just yeah i mean i mean he's, he's wait actually is i would say her and driver uh, maybe adam sandler in like a close third those are probably those might be my favorite performances of the year like i mean of course that's just me that doesn't i guess that doesn't matter but uh i just yeah it's well i'm trying to think well, who right now who are they saying the front runner for best actress is renee zellweger judy oh i haven't seen it have you seen it yeah and it's exactly what you'd expect from an <laughs> oscar bait <laughs> well i mean movie that has a good performance from a lead actor <laughs> is she good i mean is it a good yeah she's it's a good performance and we've talked we talked about this on our top 10 show a bit with uh, with mark hoban he pointed out how it's a good representation of judy that still maintains what zellweger is bringing to it which might also be a bit more personal on her side as far as being an actress that's kind of come back after a while so like well, it's funny it, it was one it's one of those movies that like i didn't see it and it's on it's on iTunes and I'm like, I don't know if I want to pay fifteen dollars. I don't know if I want to. You can this. wait for this movie. Right, <laughs> like, but, I'm like, but I like, I want to see this performance. So I was like, I'm curious how. Okay, but you think so? She's the front runner. Who else? She's the front. Uh, well, let's see. Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Um, Charlize Theron and Bombshell, which I don't even think is a very good performance. But, but um, wait, now, did uh, you like her in Monster? Yeah, well, that's a better performance. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I, are, do I don't you, think I don't think it's just the makeup doing the work in that movie in Monster. I, I did not see Bombshell. Um, I know you are not a fan. That's yeah. 
Uh, it's not it's not the most acclaimed movie either. So. Um, who else would get uh, little little so Saoirse Ronan and Little Women? Um, oh, of course, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Because you need to pick up a, a fourth nomination when you're that young. That's that's how it works. Um, Wait, four? Wait, I think of two: Atonement in Brooklyn. What's the third? That other one. Hannah. <laughs> That'd be awesome if she got nominated. Hannah, like uh, on uh, Lady Bird. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. To be to be fair, I blanked on it too. I just I knew there was a third one. <laughs> she is good in Lady Bird, but she's just in normal clothes in that. You can't win with that. Like, um, but that's, that's what they said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all got in a huddle. It's like she's just a girl in Sacramento. Whatever. <laughs> Pass. Um, what about do you? So for for best um, act, uh, okay. the, so there's a fifth slot. So it'd be like oh. Aquafina is big in there for the farewell. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Uh, Cynthia Erivo and Harriet is the other one, and then yeah, Peter Nyong'o. How is Harriet? Did you see it? It's fine. Like I, I like what it's doing as far as presenting this story. I wish it was done a little bit more uniquely. Um, but in terms of getting a movie about Harriet Tubman, it's like this will do for now until. You know, there's one like a more art housey version of this story. So, Casey, Casey Lemons. Yeah, I like her. Okay. What I've said, I mean, and, and others have pointed this out too. It does function like a like a superhero movie in terms of like an origin story, which I actually think is a neat way to go, as opposed to being like a slavery movie. It very much tries to make it like an origin story for a superhero, which he actually is. So it's like, yeah, that works. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, like uh, so. Those would be. Hmm. Wait. So, who would be actor, driver, Best actor, driver, uh, Phoenix driver, um, Sam? I don't think Sandler's got the. Well, no, everyone loves Sandler. He's great in that. Critics love Sandler, but he didn't like. He didn't make SAG. He didn't make the SAG nominations. Um, so, and there's other. It's a strong. It's actor. I think is the strongest category this year. I think there's a lot of great performances. Uh, DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, oh they, yeah, it's great. They love DiCaprio to begin with. Um, I really hope Antonio Banderas makes it in there for Pain and Glory because I think he's fantastic in there. Um, I think it's his best performance, so it'd be great to see that go through and to give a little bit of flavor to the damn nominations of a bunch of white people because uh, Eddie Murphy's <laughs> not getting there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, Taron Egerton in Rocket Man seems like he has a lot of he was good action going for him. Yeah, he was really he's, good. He's fine. Oh, come on. He's way better than Rami Malek. He's... he's better than Rami Malek, but like every time I think about Rocket Man, I just think about that really awkward scene in the phone booth where he's like making a bunch of faces while trying to tell his dad that he's gay. And it's like, it's a lot of overacting. <laughs> just well, I forgot about it. I, I'm thinking more just the big set pieces. And I was like, no, he's good. Like he's, it's a, it's a big, bigger than life performance. As I, as I like pointing out, I like when the actors sing the songs themselves. So, I mean, it, that helps. Although to be fair, you get that if you, if you give Driver, cause he does a Sondheim song. So you Which get is that. why he should win. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, wait, if it was you, would it be Driver? It'll be Driver. Not, I mean, easily. Well, wait, would you put it driver if Sandler got nominated? Because didn't you think Sandler was great? Yes, but I still think I'll put it this way. I've rewatched the scene of driver singing being alive many times. I don't like put on uncut gems just to watch Sandler like piss me off for a while. <laughs> like, as much as I like that movie. <laughs> that kind of movie. I mean, like, right, yeah. It's, the, it's not easy for me to be like, let me pick up and watch this classic clip of Sandler getting like ragged on and uncut yeah. gems again. <laughs> 
where it's That's... very easy for me to watch Driver just like put out all emotions ever in one scene. <laughs> like, it's, it's very compelling. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I, I like Uncat Jebs more, but I still think Driver's the best perform, like the best actor performance of the year as far as that kind of thing. Again, that said, Banderas is so damn good too in Pain and Glory, so it's hard. And like, I don't think I don't think Dolomite is my name necessarily challenges Murphy. I think he's just really good at doing that thing, but it's still a really good version of that thing. I think he's really good in the movie. So, well, but I feel like in Dolomite, I really appreciate, and I think I said this in my top ten thing. It is nice to see Murphy. I mean, honestly, except for like when he's the clumps, like most of most of most of Eddie Murphy and, and I love you know, Eddie Murphy but a lot of his thing is that that sheer magnetism and that like that confidence and it is and in with the clump it's stri- it's stripped away more in this right yes. so in in Dolomite you it works pretty well where it's like he's still large and in charge he's still like ah, I'm this but there's such a vulnerability there like I really liked Eddie Murphy I thought he was really- yeah I, I I think I, it's I, one of the better performances of the year but in terms of like the best the like the one that deserves like a, an Oscar statue it it goes you know it's in the it's in that top five for me sure but like not quite on the top. Um, pain and glory. Wait, I heard. So is that about Elmodovar? It's like semi autobiographical, and it's great. It's 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 very it's really good. But I think um, I think Banderas is just fantastic in it. I mean, actually, I've always liked. I mean, I'm trying I'm trying to think about things that are bad about pain and glory. And I can't really think of anything, so I don't know. Um. Well, I just put it in my pre-order here on my iTunes because I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, what's, I just thought, do you think when The Irishman was, you know, I don't know. I don't think it was the Venice Film Festival. What film festival did it debut at? Wait, which? Irishman. Uh, New York. So a debut. Oh, That's a guess. I'm not sure. Right. Actually, so de- but... so debuts in New York Film Festival, and it's like 98% around Tomatoes, and everyone's saying it's a masterpiece. Um, and I think you, me, yeah, I think most of us, I think most people on your show liked it, right? I think we all really liked Irishman. I think. I don't think. I it... can't. I can't think of anyone that uh, that's on out now that yeah. isn't a fan of However, Irishman. However, do you think that it did debut at the? It's New York so Film weird. Festival. It's like it's so strange to me how. Netflix and you, you know I'm I'm I mean look I use Netflix all the time so like I'm not against them wanting to be in the Oscar game the awards business and everything but it is so weird to me that like you know they tried with Roma which is so much the kind of movie that you should really just see in one sitting preferably on the big screen and then they do this with Irishman I saw Irishman at the Alamo Draft House and I loved it and I know so many people at work who are like, oh, yeah, it took me three nights or I'm not done with it yet. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I was like, this is not the way to watch it. Like, it's strange to me that Netflix, I feel like they need a movie that's like, I don't know, shorter or zippier or something like. You mean like Dolomite is my name or Marriage Story? <laughs> I would. Of course. I, I will. I love those. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you're right. Yeah. I mean, but well, but it feels like. They pushed Roma, and now they're pushing Irishman, and I feel like the blowback from mainstream audiences or whatever is always like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, I mean, which is weird because I, yeah, I thought – oh, but well, I'm sorry. What I wanted to say about Irishman, 
Do you think Irishman is going to get acting nods? I don't know if it will. Uh, it's going to get it for Pesci and Pacino. Oh, Pesci is really good in it. They're both going to get it. Wait, would they yeah. both just be supporting? They're both supporting, supporting I guess, right? Because it's De Niro's story. Yeah, okay. Um, but okay, yeah. Uh, wait, so it, there's any surprises that you think could happen it's tomorrow? Surprises? Yeah. Uh, I mean. I mean, that's the point of a surprise, right? I, I um, Not necessarily surprises that I can think of offhand, but there's there's realistic expectations I have that would be, like, you know, somewhat surprising. Like, I, if Parasite got more than just, like, the things we expect, I'd be happy with that. Like, if it goes beyond just, like, foreign best picture and best director and it gets, like, the, if it gets supporting actor, if it gets production design, like, if it gets some of those other technical noms, I think that'd be really cool. Um, us is like pretty close to being a surprise at this point because it's horror so you don't really expect that to go that far certainly for you know movie that came back back in March as well so it's like That's that'd true. be neat um, if Knives Out went into best picture which seems like probability um, that'd be a surprise that's for sure um Yeah, I, I don't know what I don't know what else to expect in that regard as far as as big surprises go. I mean, it's more like yeah, like light if a lighthouse got cinematography, that'd be cool. Like it's but yeah, yeah. See what happens. <laughs> no, no, I, I I agree. Um, oh wait, but yeah, in my mind though, I actually don't know what would be adapted. The big, the only one I can think of is Little Women. Irishman. Oh my god, I forgot that that's yeah that that's adapted. You, I heard you paint houses. <laughs> um. An original adapted's actually kind of weak this year because um, Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, uh, Little Women, Two Popes. Those are like those are like the big ones, and then it's like what else? Joker. It's an established category or established character. It's an established character. A, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And oh, do you think yeah. Hanks will get nominated? That's a wild card for me. That's like that fifth slot again, where I maybe like. It's weird. He hasn't been nominated since Castaway. That was the last time he was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, so I don't think a... the movie did as well as people thought it was going to. But I think he's good in it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he got in because he's Tom Hanks. But at the same time, as I just said, he hasn't been nominated for 20 years. So it's like... And he just got he... that... He just got that... Uh, that what... Golden Globe... Yeah, the... the lifetime the, Achievement the thing. thing. Yeah, so... Um, eh, maybe. Um... Yeah, I mean, so you're not seeing a cat's upset. <laughs> I mean, for best screenplay, perhaps. I mean, it was written really well. Makeup. Yeah. Although you do not, no. you do not hate cats. You are like, eh. No, I, I, I'm just more. I'm less impressed by it than I should be because it wasn't absurd enough. Like that's kind yeah, of yeah. That was my way. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not not weird enough. Like yeah, that was my my big thought that's so weird i just thought of not just Endgame, but i remember uh, a couple weeks ago i was listening to a podcast you know not yours of course i should only be listening to two <laughs> well, uh, what i say is ours first then you get yeah, exactly what I, I, what I say is you should be driving to the movie you're about to see right listening to listening to our show you pause it then you come back to it after you see the movie and keep going. Then you listen to whatever the hell you want to. Right, so that's exactly that's the I, out. That's I, the out now. Uh, listening, listening. Right. Re- so re- I had re- I had re- done re- that, <laughs> and I was listening to some awards <laughs> podcast, and they were saying this was like last month, and they were like, "Whoa, do you think there's a chance that Rise of Skywalker, you know, because it's the last Star Wars movie, 
And they're like, what if it's really, really good? You know, this is, this is before the screenings or anything. But even me, I was like, mm, I don't think that's going to happen. I was like, maybe. I, I mean, if anything's possible, I guess. But like, yeah. So, and obviously that's not going to happen now. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. I am, I will say this is the first time that maybe I'm just trying to use my, get more sleep lately, but I'm one of those people who loves to get up at 5.30 in the morning and turn my television on and watch the uh, Oscar nominations. But I don't know. Eh. <laughs> I might just get up at 6.30 and then go online. Like, do you usually get up or do you just watch, look at it online when you wake up? Sometimes I'm, like, too excited to be, like, to be sleeping. So I'm like, I guess I'm up now. So I'll just, I don't, I don't ever watch it. I just, like, read it afterwards. I, like, wake up at, like, 5.30 or whatever, like, when it's done. And I'm like, cool, let's see it. So, oh, it's so we'll cool see. to watch. You should watch. Well, I mean, eh, let's get it. But I mean, it's kind of cool to watch the video of it because, like, you you hear the people excited when they're like, "Get out!" and you're like, "Oh my god, get out!" Got nominated. Like that's kind of cool. Whereas if you just see a list of it, it's just like, "Oh, cool, get out!" Like, yeah, that's true. But yeah. Um. But yes, I'm ex- I'm still excited. I want to see what's gonna happen. All right. Well, let's move on from this. Let's get some out now feedback real quick. All right. Feedback. Feedback. Scroll the various questions answered on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash on a podcast. We ask a number of questions to the listeners. They gave us answers. Uh, first one here. Who are your favorite unconventional action stars? Todd writes, I want to say Bruce Willis, because at the time he made Die Hard, he was that guy from Moonlighting who had been in a couple of Blake Edwards films. It was unconventional casting at the time. Uh, Justin writes, maybe Keanu Reeves before The Matrix. I wouldn't have thought of him as an action star. Definitely not John Wick. I had an exchange with him about this because it's like he had speed and point break. He was an action star. But we're yeah. Richard has Nick Cage. Despite all the action films he has done, he just doesn't seem like an action star. Plus, I mean, Nick Cage. Any uh, unconventional action stars you can think of? I can. Well, wait. When you say star, does that mean they're super established and have made tons of movies now? I mean, like, because you, you can take it how you want. I try yeah, to think of it as like an established actor, not necessarily the one, like the number. Well, eh, not established. Uh, I think it's something that you and I that you'll get, but I don't know if anyone. I would say uh, I, I think her name is uh, is it Sharni Vinson from oh from from the Descent and the, or not Descent I'm sorry uh, from You're Next yeah because she was well but before that it was Step Up Three Step, Step Up Three yeah and I was and it was like oh my God her like <laughs> and I, I thought she was great I thought I, I love You're Next and I thought she was great so to me that would be an unconventional where sure looking back on it if you're a dancer that kind of makes sense that you can do choreography and action scenes um but that certainly surprised me but no 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 that, that's not like saying keanu reeves or something um i don't know who would you say i'm trying to think who that would be like i guess in terms of my favorite unconventional action star nick cage would be pretty high i suppose <laughs> like i do I, I i like that trilogy of 90s films with um the rock face off and con air as far as taking Oscar-winning quirky actor who made Leaving Las Vegas and saying, "Okay, now let's put him on a trip to Alcatraz with Sean Connery in a Michael Bay movie." Like that's a fun change of pace. That's true. No, no, absolutely. That. And then after that, let's give him like you know John Travolta's face and see how that goes. And then let's give him like a big lock of hair and a Cajun accent and put him on in a plane full of convicts. Like that's a that's a from the guy that's like you know in uh, Leaving Las Vegas and. Uh, What's the what's the Lynch film that I'm not thinking of? Wild at Heart and you know Coppola like random Coppola films and whatnot. It's like and now he's a huge action star in a summer blockbuster. It's like that's weird. That's a weird thing to do. Well, you know it's weird though because 
I mean, I mean, before Tom Cruise did Mission Impossible, yes, he had done Days of Thunder and Top Gun. Top Gun, but I don't know how much I think of those as like action movies. Top Gun, it's an action movie. I mean, I. Yeah, there's not like hand to hand. No, yeah, it's not a it's like, not a like gunplay action movie. But if you think of like guys movies, Top Gun, you know, sure, flying sure, jets, sure. riding motorcycles, like I mean, I I know what you're saying. Yes, Mission Impossible is, and even Mission Impossible is not like an action movie. It's a spy movie. Like it's Mission Impossible Two. That's when he becomes an action star. Oh, for sure. That's when that's when he's you know riding motorcycles and firing guns and rock climbing barehanded and whatnot. Like, <laughs> right, God bless him. Like that's what kick yeah that's what kicks off is like I guess I'm doing this now. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't get that Magnolia Oscar, so let me get to John Woo and see what we can do over here. I mean, I think a lot of it also has to do with like the time period that the the the, sure. the person the person who said Keanu Reeves. I mean, in a way. Keanu Reeves with Speed, wait, is Point Break, Speed and Point Break. Uh, wait, which is first? Point Break. Oh, because Point Break, Point Break's ninety one. Point Break's ninety one, then Speed, then like Johnny Mnemonics after that, then like well, Chain Chain Reaction, of course. You, right, but if you right, yeah. have you seen Chain Reaction? I've I saw it twenty years ago. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but like you know, uh, Keanu Reeves at the time. Yes, I would say he was sort of an unconventional action star because remember we're coming out of the '80s where it's like you got yeah he's not a macho guy yeah those muscle those you know Stallone Jean Claude Van Damme I mean like Arnold yeah those guys are big so Keanu being kind of spelt that's true you would not necessarily think he was going to be kind of an action star so yeah he's the guy that's the heartthrob and you know playing supporting roles in Parenthood and. Dracula. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, actually, one... That, okay, here's a movie I haven't seen, but I'm curious, uh, because I know people say it's sort of a template, and I think you said it. Uh, it's a much better version of Joker. Um, is You Are Never Really Here, is that kind of, like, taken? Oh, you haven't, seen, you haven't seen the movie. No, I haven't seen it. So is Joaquin Phoenix, is it sort of action-y? Mm, no. I mean, uh, he does... He, he commits... He fights off people, but no, it's not like there's no elaborate choreography or whatnot. It's it's. I mean, if anything, there's a lot of downplaying of the actual action he's doing. There's a lot of after the fact type of stuff that takes place. Oh, actually, um, what about Liam Neeson? Yeah, I mean that's pre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he became an action star. So, uh, well, yeah. You're. I mean, you mainly think you know he's Oscar Schindler, like you know he's, right. he's a he's a thespian. He's like I mean that's that's part of the draw of Liam Neeson in these movies. And same with Denzel Washington for that matter. They're they're guys that are respected for their craft, not because they're physically oh, imposing necessarily. No. I mean they are, but not in a way where you think they're gonna beat you up. But he was Qui Gon before Taken, like a decade before. I forget. Yeah, but even even then, like that's that's still like a it's like Alec Guinness in the first Star Wars. I mean, it's not It's not because he's so action-focused. It's because it's a respectable actor who's in this role. It's so. true. I would say Ewan McGregor and Ray Park... They're filling out the action they're side the ones of things. The huge, the scene that everyone talks about is after Qui-Gon is kind of... Yeah, well, that, whole, that whole fight gets it. But I mean, in terms of... You're, I don't think you're looking at Phantom Menace and being like, oh man, Liam Neeson's an action star now. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, he, he, that's a really good actor in this movie. <laughs> like, no, that's true. That's true. Um, Let's keep going. We got more questions. Okay. 
Um, let's see. Next one we have favorite movies that involve deep sea exploration. Stephanie writes The Abyss. Justin writes My boys love The Meg, Deep Star Six, Leviathan, and Sphere. Chris writes Deep Star Six and Leviathan are awesome, fun, and life aquatic. Richard has The Meg, The Abyss, and Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Man, why do people love The Meg? I wish I loved that movie. Did you like it? I like it. I didn't. I mean, I'm not going out of my way to be like I need to keep seeing it, but I liked it when I saw it. Somebody on my uh, my Instagram when I was posting about underwater, they were like, "Oh, you mentioned Alien and the Abyss, but you didn't mention Leviathan." And what was the one you just said? Deep Water, what? Deep Star Six. I've never seen those. Like, are are those great? It sounds like those. Should I should I have seen Leviathan? Who's it? The um, the problem with those movies have is something that we talked about with Underwater is that they take a while to get to what they need to do. Like, I think there's a nostalgic love for those movies. Um, Is anybody in it? Who's in Leviathan? Um, It's been a minute. Sphere's Sphere's not very good. Sphere's a terrible movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's not good, man. I mean, like, like, that's pretty bad. Um, But Uh, Peter Peter Weller and uh, Richard Crenna are in Leviathan. That's solid. You got Robocop and and, uh, and Rocky and uh, Rambo's Handler. I mean, honestly, I don't know. You can't. I mean, is there anything better than The Abyss? I mean, I feel like that's the one. Like, unless I'm forgetting something. I'm not as big on The Abyss as you are, but, um, I mean, 20,000 Leagues. Um, Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> oh, I like Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. I did say it's just like, I, even if I don't, like, love The Abyss the same way a lot of people do, I'm not going to say Deep Blue Sea is better than that movie. <laughs> wait, what was that? Wait, what was the question? Favorite movies involving deep sea exploration. Okay, deep. So you can't say Jaws because that's not deep. That's why. So and they're not exploring the deep sea. They're, they're not. They're not. They're, yeah. They're so okay. Right, yeah. I mean, like I. I don't know why. I can't. Can't think of other. I might not think of other big underwater. Movies. Oh wait. And so what is Deep Star? What is that? It's similar as far as just like oh, we're down here and stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> um. What's the next question? Your what are your favorite films about groups of people suddenly stranded somewhere? Whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Well, the word... Oh, let me... Wait, what? Okay, let me... I didn't read the answers. Uh, Richard writes, Rescue from Gilligan's Island and Red Planets. Uh, Stephen <laughs> writes, Stephen writes, Cube. And he suggested that should be a possible commentary in the future. Would I... Yeah, that's one we can consider. Oh, yeah, I like Cube, as I recall. Um, wait, so suddenly stranded... Because so the thing doesn't count, because that's their job. Yeah, they're not really stranded so much as they're like... Hey, this this thing's really taking a, doing a number on us. Like, <laughs> it's not like that. Remember that classic line of dialogue that Keith David? This thing's really doing a number on us. Um, the, um, it's more like, well, we already were here. We're not stuck. We're just kind of like, well, we got to deal with this now. That's kind of the situation there. In the abyss, they're suddenly stranded. That counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Red Planet. I'm a fan of that movie. I haven't seen that in forever. Like, as far as Mars movies go. He's twenty years old. Uh, would you count Sunshine? <laughs> yeah, they're kind of screwed. I mean, they're, they things have to deal with some things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, things don't go the way they're supposed to. Like so, um, like that's a pretty good one. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else I, I do. Like I said at the top of this podcast, I really love movies like, like this. I'm just trying to think of the suddenly stranded part, the part where it's like we're... lifeboat. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. Lifeboat's great. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything else. All right, this is a shout one out if you think of one. Um, next one. What are some great movies about dealing with new monstrous threats unheard of until the time of the film? Todd writes King Kong, Gremlins, Tremors, and my personal favorite kaiju movie, War of the Gargantuas. And Chris writes Zombievers. 
Oh, I saw Zombieverse. It's okay, it's, but that poster yeah, was fun. the poster was hilarious. But uh, fine. yeah, um, you know, I gotta say, and this is really weird because it is a because it is a well established property. But I, I really, and I think we've talked about this before. Um, I really like Spielberg's War of the Worlds. I think that like the way we find out about them being underneath and then the, the whole weird tripod thing about them. And like, I think that's really great, man. Like, I really love that. Yeah. You're describing all the stuff in that first half that I really enjoy. Oh, that's right. You only like the, well, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Wait. Yes. There's the first half. I think most people don't like the Tim Robbins stuff, but then, yeah, but then <laughs> yes, but then they leave the Tim Robbins and there's some good stuff there. I don't like there's the... some, there's some good stuff, but it just never like it never gains that same sense of energy that it had getting into the Tim Robbins stuff. That's probably true. Like it, re- like it's just so like incredibly well paced and suspenseful. There's that whole like even when they're not dealing with the others, that scene where they're under the, where they're in the house in the basement, and you don't know what's going on, and then you find out that a plane crashed on them over the night, but it's like really crazy at top, and you're like, ugh, it's like this. We're just like shots of like, like that shot of the tripod when they're on the ferry and the tripod's coming over the mountain. It's like really cool. Like there's just a lot of really cool stuff like that. Then they get to Tim Robbins' place and Spielberg's like, I guess we'll just repeat that raptor scene that I did really well in Jurassic yeah. Park. <laughs> and for some reason, these aliens just really are interested in this house because they leave and then they come back after a while. It's like, what's going Like, it's just, and then after that, it's like, okay. And then they get like sucked up into a tripod and. Tom Cruise gets sucked up into an alien anus, but he has a grenade, so it's okay. And all right. <laughs> wait, what was, wait, sorry. What was the question again? Favorite alien anus. Uh, what? What are your <laughs> movies about new monsters threats? Oh, I mean, then, then okay, then it's obvious. Then it's the thing. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> I mean, it's hard to top that. Like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, the chest opens and chops his arms off. It's great. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> like, the head, head becomes a little creature, or whatever, like insect. Yeah, yeah. The the head sprouts legs. It's like what? Yeah. <laughs> like the like Keith David's like you got to be fucking kidding me. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, Keith David, you're exactly right. You have to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the movie Just Mercy opened in wide release this week too with uh, Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Fox, and Brie Larson. Um, so I asked a couple questions about legal dramas. What are your favorite legal dramas? Nippon writes Primal Fear. Mary has a few good men. Richard has Ghosts of Mississippi. Emma has a time to kill. Christopher has Amistad, Twelve Angry Men, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, A Dry White Season, The Cane Mutiny, and Anatomy of a Murder. Stephen has The Rainmaker, and Alana uh, has The Verdict is number one, followed by Witness for the Prosecution. Legal dramas. Uh, Twelve Angry Men I just saw this year. I mean, I hadn't seen it since like high school. And when I say this, sorry, I meant 2019. But uh, I remember uh, Facebooking you. And yeah, it's fantastic. It's the best. Yeah. yeah I, it's, I mean, I, I watched it because you got me so excited about 12 Angry Men. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's really great. Um, I can't think of any other ones. I, I also really saw The Verdict, uh, Paul Newman. Yeah. It's good. Good. I mean, it's not good as 12 Angry Men. But um, I remember loving Few Good Men at the time. I just haven't seen it in forever. Is that Aaron Sorkin? Yeah, that's Sorkin. That's what Abe loves. A few good men. I haven't seen it in forever, so I don't have a fresh opinion on a few good men. But I mean, I, I I tend to be able to handle the truth pretty well. So we'll see what happens. I remember as a kid liking, um, uh, or like high school. I think it's Spencer Tracy. Uh, is it Inherit the Wind? Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Let me think about that. Inherit the Wind. The the 
is it spokes or something monkey trials or something like that? it's all the scope like, the scope the scope's monkey trials scope's yeah. monkey uh, trials like that was pretty good like um but yeah i'd go with 12 anger man <laughs> yeah spencer tracy you're right yeah her the wind. oh spencer yeah 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 oh and gene kelly too gene kelly yeah that's right i haven't thought about that in forever uh it's a stanley kramer movie <laughs> makes sense gene kelly um all right what are some amazing brief performances that deserve recognition from last year? Uh, Todd writes, Eddie Murphy is getting all the love for Dolomite, but Wesley Snipes' short performances in that film is also great. Yeah, he's great. He is great. What if Wesley Snipes got an Oscar nomination tomorrow? <laughs> that'd be awesome, Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? That, that'd be a surprise, right? That would be totally a surprise. And you know what he'd say on Twitter, right? Wait, no, what would he say? Always been on black. Right? probably <laughs> 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 Um... He like dust off his shoulder and walk. It'd be a video, a video message of him tweeting that. You know who? I mean, I'm not gonna say not as good as as prevalent as uh, Wesley Snipes, but because he is really good. But I gotta say, um, I had not liked him probably since something wild because I don't love Goodfellas, but oh, Ray Liotta? Yeah, he's he's pretty good, man. He's pretty good in Marriage Story. No, I think he's great in Marriage Story. I'm just thinking. Of him in other movies since Narc, he's great in Narc. Oh, I never saw it. I like Ray Liotta in general. I mean, yeah, I I can agree to a point as far as like he hasn't had a time to shine like super heavily in recent years, aside from Narc. And like he he's like a fun thing to be like, oh, he's in this, great. But but in terms of like, we definitely need to support Ray Liotta's you know career. Like, yeah, it's been a while since we had like one of those performances. And Narc's like 2002, so what am I talking about? It's 2020. That's 18 years ago. Yeah, it was a while so. ago. Um, yeah, who else this year? Um, I think Michael Shannon's really good in Knives Out every time I think about it. He's, yeah, he, he, he's both like intense and funny in that movie in a way that's really satisfying to me. So that's one that stands in a cast that's really good in general. I think you know, I will say it. that, and I, I feel like you and I have, have discussed this off-podcast. I do like Knives Out a lot. I've only seen it once. Um, I don't know where my grade would be, but I think one of the issues I have with Knives Out, even though I do agree with you that Michael Shannon's really good, is that because of the marketing, I thought I was going to be seeing a movie of two hours of this incredible cast in this house. And that's not really the movie. That's really like the first act of the movie. Um, so, but, so when you said Michael Shannon, I'm like, yeah, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is really good. Um, Tony Collette's very funny. Tony Collette's really funny. I mean, they're all really good. Um, but it just wasn't, I think when I watch it again, the next time I see it, it won't matter to me. I'll just be like, oh, well, that's the movie. But the first time I saw it, I was disappointed that we kind of lose those characters after a while. Yeah. It throws you off a bit by not being as focused on the, the Thromby family as you might think it would be. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It is fun saying thromby. That's a great word. It's <laughs> a, uh-huh. a great name for a family. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's move. Let's move on. That was feedback. 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 Let's go to some. Uh, what's out? What's coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, and all that stuff this week? Um, on on 4K and Blu-ray this week, we have Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Yeah, it was it's out there. It was. A, you liked it more than I did. I was surprised that I liked it more than. I thought I would. Uh, Gemini Man. Uh, I mean, I think you and I... Well, I'm wondering... Wait, wait, wait. Is it like an Ultra 4K? What's it coming out on? Everything. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, the 4K as well. So it has the... It'll have the... 
HFR. Yeah, in U- like in, I mean, in UHD. <laughs> I mean, you and I both saw it how it should be seen, and it, yeah, I think it, I thought it looked amazing. Um, I've heard yeah. I've heard good things about watching it in 24 frames without the th- without the three, like just watching it. I've heard that it actually plays. Oh, okay. Pretty well. So now I'm like curious. Probably because you can like really focus on the effects more without focusing on the, I guess the visual distortion of it or whatever right. you want to call it. Right, right, right. Uh, let's see. Jexy is out this week. Well, you know, I was curious about. I heard it's terrible, but I yeah, was. It looked I was terrible. curious because I like. Is that Adam Divine? Adam Divine, yeah. I like him, and then who's the voice? Uh, Rose Byrne, I think. Yeah, I like Rose Byrne. So I mean, I was like, oh, maybe, but yeah, I heard it's pretty bad. Also, uh, Veep, the final season. Uh, I only saw the first season. I liked uh, it, but that's all I. Great. Yeah, the I final it. season. It ends very. It ends better than Game of Thrones, the other HBO show that was on at that time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Krypton, the the second and final season. Uh, I have friends who liked it, but I have never seen any seasons. The bad thing about Krypton getting canceled is we're never going to find out what happened to that planet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it all worked out for them, if right. I had to guess, offhand. Right. Uh, the, L, the House of L is doing quite well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, specialty stuff, let's see. Brewster's Millions has a new collector's edition on Shout Factory this week. Is that... So Richard Pryor, John there... Candy. John, what's the premise? He, Brewster, like his uncle or something dies and leaves him like all this money but he has, but in order to like, it's like something like in order to get $100 million he has to spend like $10 million, or like like a, he has to spend like an absurd amount of money to get an even more absurd amount of money. Right. If he doesn't do it, he gets nothing. He, he gets nothing. Yeah. Uh, they show him the door. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's it's Richard Pryor. It's yeah. fun. Uh, let's see. The Beverly Hills Cop trilogy has a new remastered Blu-ray set out this week. So you can finally, I believe. I mean, I have one, but I I, I think two and three have like either not been available or just only had like crappy versions. Are those so all can... Tony Scott? No, only the second one's Tony Scott. Martin Brest? The first one's Martin Brest. The third one's John Landis, of course. Action director John Landis. <laughs> I remember the first one is is good. I don't think it's as good as people remember it, but I mean or I haven't seen it in forever, but Murphy's good in it. I like I think, it. I think the yeah. movie itself is like pretty good, but like Murphy is the best thing in it. Like Murphy's just like killing it. Like every every scene he's in, he's bringing something. Um, how are the other two? I don't remember. Two is certainly a Tony Scott action movie from the eighties. Um, it's 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 very glossy. It's very um, you know, there's a lot of the action is much rougher than the first movie is and whatnot. As a movie itself, it's like Eddie Murphy's a lot louder. I wait guess. so have you wait have you seen the new did you get a have you seen the transfers did they look good i haven't brandon peters friend of the show he reviewed them and he's the transfers are good okay i i have no intention on picking up the, the this new trilogy but i mean if it if it arrives i'll be like yeah all right i have it now i guess yeah i mean i, I you're right i am like this like oh, I'm curious. i haven't seen those in forever like but yeah. um okay uh let's see on criterion the fugitive king and uh, let's see 4K. There's a the the junk John Favreau's The Jungle Book is now out on 4K this week. So there you go. Get finally. I liked it actually. I thought it was good. I liked that movie too. Yeah. yeah. New to streaming on Netflix, we have Medical Police. Uh, this is from the same a lot of the same people involved in Children's Hospital. <laughs> it's with like Rob Hubel. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, they're doctors with guns. 
um, and Midsummer's on Prime. So there you go. Oh, fantastic! I think only the theatrical cut, which is a shame. Oh. Have you seen the new one, the longer one? I've seen the director's cut. Yeah. yeah. I like I like it the same. I mean, it it does it does some things I really like, and some things are like yeah, I get why it's not in the theatrical cut either. But, okay. Cool. I mean, it's a good movie regardless. <laughs> so well, yeah, 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 yeah. Next week's show. Next week we're talking uh, probably Bad Boys for Life. Doolittle comes out also. We'll see. But yeah, Bad Boys for Life will be probably the the, the only main review. Uh, last week we did hear what should people go and see now? What do you plan to see next, Peter? What should people see in theaters right now? I saw Like a Boss. I thought it was okay. I mean, I like the cast, but it's all right. Like, um, we d- talked about Underwater. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, we talked about 1917 quite a bit, too. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. I keep. I always feel like when we say this, it's got to be like a, a movie of 2020. But, no, absolutely, yes. Go see 1917. It's what's in theaters right now. It's I, January. Oh, it's some overlap. Right. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yes, yeah. 1917, I would say, yeah, go see that on the big screen. What are you seeing next? Uh, I might be seeing, uh, if I can get any screening, I might be seeing Bad Boys, although I have never seen a Bad Boys movie, so I don't know. I might be completely so lost in the continuity. I mean, yeah, this is going to, I'll just be like, I don't know what's going on in this thing. Like, um, how, how does this work? Black people as cops? I don't get it. <laughs> um, well, wait, what else is coming out? Doolittle, of course. Yeah, I'm not that excited. Anything else? Uh, like... Uh, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman comes. I think you're not you're not too big on Guy. You know Ritchie's, what? I'm not. Things. But I like. I have not. I'll I'll watch the trailer after we get off the podcast. But I the billboards for Gentlemen are all over the place, and I kind of like the cast. I was like, so you're big into like Charlie Hunnam and Hugh Grant wearing glasses and mustaches. Like that's your that's your in. Oh wait wait wait! It's Charlie. <laughs> I didn't notice Charlie Hunnam. Isn't he's been McConaughey? Yeah, him too. Matthew McConaughey. It's Michelle uh, Docker, the girl from. Um, uh, Downton Abbey, who I like. Um, I did not notice Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunt, yeah. Well, he's been he's he's one of Richie's boys now. He's in uh, King Arthur. But I, you know what, I'm. I like Charlie Hunnam when he gets to play English, and guess what he gets to do in this movie? Play English, so that, that works out. I think that I'm I'm one of those weird people who I actually am probably better with Richie when he's kind of reined in. So I liked his. What was the one with Henry? Was it Man from Uncle? Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. It was like three out of five. Like I was like, yeah, it was okay. Like, um, like, do you like his Sherlock movies? No, I do not like the Sherlock movies. Like, a, wow, I, hard stance. <laughs> uh, I think I don't like. I think Mark Strong. Uh, yeah, Mark Strong drives me crazy when he's doing his villain thing. Like, like he's he's in 1917 only for a second, but he's good. I was like, oh, I do like this guy. Like, um, yeah, I don't like when he's twirling mustache like type of stuff um, See, I, I do like mark strong and i like him as villains because he doesn't necessarily twirl mustache he plays evil but he doesn't like relish in it i think he has a way of playing it without like i don't know i feel like going he's, pretty, he's pretty big like um but you gotta be a villain you know, well a yeah uh, but uh <laughs> yeah guy Ritchie. i yeah oh wait a minute i was gonna say this when you mentioned this earlier we're talking about jungle book um disney plus <laughs> Yeah. Uh, is did he do Aladdin? Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm yeah, Aladdin. halfway through Aladdin. Uh it's it's okay. Like, I mean, I still like Will Smith and I like the charming cast. What yeah, Aladdin. Aladdin. It's the it's the second best Disney remake from last year. <laughs> wait, so wait, wait. You said it's the second best? Yeah. 
Wait, what did we get? Well, it's not. Because I like I like Maleficent. I was like, all right, this is fine. <laughs> it has a better. It, it ends well. Oh yeah. Well, no, that's but that's not a remake. That's just that's new. I'm, okay, live action Disney okay. cartoon, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Gee whiz. Like, no, we only got like okay. Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, it, it's better than Dumbo. It's better than Lion King. <laughs> um. Yeah, Lion King. Yeah, that was not great. Um. But. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but 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 I will say I do not mind Guy Ritchie's direction in Aladdin. I'm not like that's not the problem. The the problem is the movie's just kind of pedestrian. But I'm not like oh this this direction is distracting. I'm like oh, oh he's oh. he's completely. I mean it's Disney. I expected him to be reined in. Like, yeah, totally. So, but, but I, said, I yes, I, I like I like Big Ritchie because I I like his gang. I like his gangster movies. I love Snatch and Lockstock, and I'm and Abe and I are big rock and roller fans on this podcast. Everyone too. tells me I have to watch that rock. And I have a friend of mine who's always like, "You got to watch that rock and roller." I'm always like, it, "That the title alone drives me crazy." I'm, I'm seeing Gentlemen this week. I might watch Rock and Roller just to get myself ready for it. So. Oh, a Gentlemen screening this week? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe I should try to get into that. Um, but but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a weird month. Like it, it's basically just. People catching up on award movies. That's basically what I think we're all... There's an awful lot of horror movies opening this month, because we already had two between this and The Grudge. The Grudge, And, yeah. and there's, what, The Turning coming out with, uh, with Mackenzie Davis and Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Um, and uh, Gretel and Hansel. Oh, that's right! <laughs> yeah, I've seen them. Which I, I like that that director did The Black Coat's Daughter, which I'm a big fan of. So oh. I uh, Oz Perkins, that's yes, the son of I Anthony love Perkins. Black Coats. I didn't know that was him. Okay, yeah, I loved. Yeah, so, I, I love. So that's like that's the sole reason I'm like, well, sure, let's do it. They're not witch. <laughs> they're they're not witch hunters, so that's a step up already. Yes, I agree. Wait, did he also do I Am the Pretty Thing that Lives in the Dark? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, that was good. That was good. But yeah, I really like Black Coat's Daughter. I thought that was really terrific. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, uh, 1917. See that Uncut Gems is still out there. See that too. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, little women's out there that's pretty good yep um yeah all right um peter where can people find more of your work online uh i'm and i'm writing at why so blue um and i'm my socials on twitter and on uh instagram uh pajamo with an o all right you can find me on uh writing at why at why so blue as well as we live we live entertainment all my stuff ends up on my blog thecodezeek.com and i'm on twitter at aaron's ps4 our podcast, iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com, facebook.com slash outnow underscore podcast, and twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast, and instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Uh, Peter, thank you for joining me for this long rambling session about now with Aaron and Abe. Oh, yeah, no, my, my pleasure. For sure. And that's going to do it. So until next time, so long and goodbye. They say a record ain't nothing if it's not touching, gripping, draw you in closer, make you want to listen to it. And if you real ill at making music, the listener feel like he living through it. That's how my nigga do it. I met Slacks back in like 91 rapping. We went to Millersville to get away from gun clapping. It ain't last. I be in class dreaming about 50,000 fans up in the stands screaming out. Encore. Yo, I'm headed back to Philly. Nigga, you rolling with me? I'm trying to get busy. We walk dogs that was off the chain. A lot of times at the Shows people hardly came. I just took it in stride as part of the game. But inside, people down with me started to change. It was a couple things. Low serve, low pills. Instead of routing out on the road, you have a chill. I know the way the pleasure feels. I'm not judging, but still I'm on a mission. Yo, I'm not bugging. I got fam that can't stop drugging. They can't sleep. They can't stick to one subject. They can't eat. It's people steady coming at me out in the street. Like Greek, yo, what up with your pizza? It gets deep, nigga. Yo, you need to walk straight, master. 
Two of us. I know. It's just funny. We've been just bullshitting for 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right.